What's happening, y'all? This is Todd Wilson with another episode of Elevate Your Game. Today we have, man, <laughs> one of the gatekeepers of LA basketball, the founder and director of LA Premier Prep, uh, one of the directors of, um, man, <laughs> what else? <laughs> Na name all the things, because we just talked about them all, man. This is the first time I'm letting somebody introduce themselves. Oh, wow, wow. You got the list. I appreciate you, Todd. Um, co-creator of Air West, along my guy, Chris Young. Um, like you said, creator and co uh, founder of LA Premier Prep, which is located in Downey, California. Um, been coaching over 15 years and all the semi-pro-ams and throughout Los Angeles, men and women's. So uh, just Drew League champion. We ain't gonna come. Drew League champion. He's being modest. Drew League champion. Owner of CLC training. Yeah, trains a bunch yeah. of you know kids to the pros all over. Uh, man, y'all know his name, Keon Kendrick. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Thank brother. you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So we're gonna start this off with the wall of hoop movies, man. Okay. Favorite hoop movie of all time and why? So it's easy for me. Um, he got game. Uh, reason being, uh, I relate to it. I wasn't Jesus Shuttlesworth in high school, but I understood the life that uh, he was living at that time, just trying to figure it out with college, going through the high school, with being recruited, and the things that happen on recruiting trips and the things that they tell you. Um, granted, I didn't, for the father aspect, uh, I didn't relate to that part, but just the, the reality of like high school basketball for like elite players. So he got game has always been one of those like, I, I relate to that. I feel that. 100%. What about uh, the girlfriend part? Did you relate to it? <laughs> nah, no Lala's at Dominguez. <laughs> no Lala's um, at Dominguez. No Lala's okay. at Dominguez High School. But um, like I said, just the, 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 the grit and grind of it, the, you know, raising a sister. I had to raise my siblings. Um, so I just understood I could relate to it better. So, not that it was on the East Coast, you know, West Coast guy. But West Coast. All, all day. All day. Absolutely, man. So um, we're going to hop right into it, man. So when did you actually fall in love with basketball? I would say I fell in love with the game at around the age of six. Um, elementary school was crazy. Uh, most people don't know this about where he was bouncing back and forth, but I went to elementary school with Jamal Crawford. Oh, wow. Jamal Crawford has spent a lot of time in Los Angeles uh, from elementary to middle school, and I think he went back to Seattle after. But um, just sitting on the playground and watching guys play and, you know, that, 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 that movie script part where the ball rolls to the kid and I pick it up and all of a sudden I couldn't put it down. Wow. So I just remember sitting there and somebody told me to pass the ball back and I did make the pass and I just watched the, the, the art of the game and I just literally just wanted to do that and that only. Wow. And so where did you go from there? So you're six years old with the ball in your hand. Was it mostly playing at school in the park? When did you get into a more organized structure? I think the organized part came middle school with AAU. Um, but once I picked up that ball, it was all I wanted to do. Uh, my favorite player, which is crazy to most people that picked up the ball, was Sean Kemp. Oh. I remember watching NBA and NBC for all you older guys. <laughs> and uh, I saw Gary Payton throw him a lob. He dunked him and swung around the rim. That's all I want. I, I begged my mom to get me a basketball court so I can go in the backyard and just dunk a basketball. And that's really what just, I want to do that. So just with the friends, playing local, um, the playgrounds, you know, the traditional way we grew up. And then middle school, uh, bumped into a kid by the name of Antoine Parker, uh, who became my first AAU teammate. Um, he, I played with b-ball and located in Carson, Sam Minor. And that's when I realized, like, okay, I'm not the biggest person on the floor anymore, not the best person on the floor, but I have something to strive for. 
So I was a sixth grader playing. Back then, we didn't have, what, 13, 14, 15 years. Right. You just had varsity and then, I would assume, JV. So I was playing my age group, and then once I got into high school, it was strictly varsity. And I played with uh, SoCal All-Stars and had a great AAU run, um, along with arguably being the greatest high school of all time, <laughs> being a point guard at Dominguez High School in Compton. Man, that's awesome. Man, I want to bring it back. Growing up in South Central LA, yes. um, you know, you you said it so smooth. Like I picked up a ball, and that's where it was. But you know, growing up in that type of environment, especially in the time that you did, I'm sure there was other things going around in your environment. <clears throat> what what kind of things did you see, and how did you keep your focus and let basketball lead you to different places? In your what life? I saw were things no kids should see. Um, raised by a single mother. Um, I'm the oldest of five, never met my father, don't know his name, um, and I saw that a lot. Um, but I had guys in my community, um, like Jason Hart, who I mentioned to you earlier, was like the person we looked up to in my era, was a guy that was homegrown, ranked in and there, like lived two blocks away, so all his brothers were the guys that we knew in the neighborhood, that if we were playing basketball, I played every sport, but basketball in particular, we had to follow his footprints. And they made sure that, you know, grew up in gangs, poverty, you know, gang violence, gun violence. My cousin was killed at the age of 15. I was supposed to be with him the night he got shot, but I had a game in St. Andrews Park. So I ended up going to my game, and like I said, basketball could literally save my life multiple times. But things like that, like I had those guys, I had Jay to lean on when I had questions about high school or college, and my community was basically like, I was the next one up, so they really shielded me from a lot of what could have ended a, a very early life. <laughs> man, that's amazing to have the mentors, the people in your life to fill those voids. Man, I, 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 you know, you know, I'm a spiritual person, so you know, we always have God that is our Father, yes, right? Yes. And then He sends people here to cover us. Like even for me, I had I had my biological father, and then I had my stepdad, and they were there but they worked all the time. Right. So having a physical presence, those were my basketball coaches. And same thing for me is just, uh, you know, I grew up in the suburbs, thank God. <laughs> I didn't have to deal with some of the things that, that, you know, that people have to deal with, but those people were the ones who kind of showed me the way, showed me the route. So right. man, always thank God for those random people that he sends in our lives to fill voids and, and mm -hmm. play roles in our uh, overall development. So um, you're a trainer now, did you have a trainer back in the day? What did that look like? Your development. You said you had, the, you know, you had the big homies showing you the route. Were they showing you the game as well? I mean, I don't think training back then was something that was prevalent. Like people weren't training. We learned trial by fire. I learned by going to the parks, playing against older dudes, getting fouled, people talking crazy, <laughs> defending yourself. Um, but training was something that you couldn't afford. Even if it was something that was around, you couldn't afford it. So we had to learn, you know, the, the hard way. You had to get out there and experience it. I learned I learned how to dribble by watching N1. Yep. Um, had all the tools. But I had my little brother go outside and try to throw the ball off his head, try to just learn it. I'm always <laughs> carrying the ball, and everywhere I could go, I would learn to dribble, do all the moves that I saw on TV. Um, and that's the way I grew up. And then once I got through college, then that's when kind of think the training landscape evolved. Um, to where people were really focused and working on the game. Because mind you, growing up, we didn't have gym access. We played outside a lot. So when, like, someone could charge you to go get in the gym, like, we were both probably about to get in trouble sneaking in this gym. So I'm not going to pay you to get us both in trouble. But um, that's kind of how, how I got into it. It was just 
a need for it. In my city, it was a lot of players who couldn't afford it, um, who didn't know what to work on. Everybody just was thought it was just some general consensus on go get one dribble pull-ups, two dribble pull-ups. Yeah. That's how you improve. Like You don't even know how good you are or where you're good at. So that's kind of where my focus became as a trainer. Man, that's awesome, man. That's the old school way. Um, I love it. I wish more kids would do that. I think um, there's, a, I don't know if the connection is there where we're copying N1 and they're copying like a Steph Curry. Like we feel like there may be a difference. Like, hey, you don't need to be shooting no shots, but we were doing it with the ball handling back right, in the day. Right, and, right. you know, so taking their imagination now and letting them kind of run with it. But now we know, have so much more information and access to so much more information about what works on the court. And back then, I think um, your attitude had a big play on the court, right? Like yes. your demeanor and being a dog and having some, some mental toughness um, took you further than it kind of does now sometimes. Agreed. With the skill set that some of these kids have. I think they're uberly talented. I don't think they're as skilled. Uh, and I don't think they know the game. Because this this game so fast. They're so much more athletic than we were, so much bigger than we were. I mean, I graduated at 6'5", 225, and there's an eighth grader that's currently my size. Yep. You know, so <laughs> it's like they're, 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 they're developing physically so fast, but they haven't had the, the chance to stop and learn the game the right way. Some of these kids haven't set yet. They haven't learned those, the, the, the humility of playing, playing in front of guys or playing behind guys that are better than you. I'm watching freshmen's average 40, like unrealistic when we were growing up. Yeah. Like you had to be super special right. to just play varsity as a freshman. Yeah. To an average 30, 40 is, is, is saying a lot. Absolutely. So you say you started AAU ball in middle school. Mm -hmm. um, did you just play locally? Were you guys going to you know Vegas, Arizona? What was the landscape like for AAU? Uh, for AAU mm -hmm. at that time, like I said, playing for b-ball. Sam did a great job um, of getting us some exposure nationally. Um, we definitely went to Vegas. You know, you played in the big time. Uh, we had a few tournaments in like Texas. We didn't go too far east, um, but we were local, but West Coast local. You know, we'll go up north. We'll play in Arizona. We'll play in Vegas. We'll probably, like I said, as far as I've been at that time, was in Texas. Gotcha. And some of the guys you played with, are they, where did they make it? Like, what was the competition like? I know, you know, then not everybody had an AAU team. You had to be the best in the area. AAU was different back then. Yeah. It wasn't that many AAU teams. So you couldn't just tell your mom and dad, like, hey, I'm not playing on this program. Can you just <laughs> go make me a team? You had maybe seven, eight. AAU programs, and they were literally the best kids in that area. So for me, you had like SCA, you had, which is SoCal Lost of Us, mm -hmm. you had Candy Bulls, you had B-Ball, you had ARC, you had 4D, you had, uh, who else was around at that time? You got the Cavs out in the Valley? But I don't know. I'm not a Valley guy, so <laughs> I'm I don't, just even, I don't know if the Cavs were around. LA County. I'm not sure if know. the Cavs were around, but in LA, you, you had the Diamonds in the Rough, you had the Paladins, like it was, like I said, it wasn't a ton. Right, you're program. literally naming them all. Yeah, like yeah. I said, it was just a handful, and like you had to be really good to play on those teams. Um, but the players that I played with, like I said, coming up were very good guys. Um, some after high school stopped playing, but mind you, my, my transition from B-ball to, to top prospects or VBA um, when I got to SCA was a, a, a different world. I didn't even realize it was that type of talent nationally. Like, 
you know, there's no social media. Right. You know, so I didn't really. You just hear about people. Yeah, you or... heard. You had, you had the slam. You had the magazines. But you didn't really know, like, how good people were until you saw them in person. And when I started playing for SCA, it was, Lord have mercy. The, <laughs> you know, teammates were like Josh Childress. And, of course, my teammate from Tyson Chandler. And you realize, oh, my God, like, these dudes are really, really good at basketball. Like, I was big and right size, and then I met, like, hold on, bro, there's seven-footers, like, <laughs> 240. Like, they jump out the gym, like, yeah, this is going to be a long four years. Yep, yeah. So let's talk about Dominguez. What what was your experience like going into high school? It was, a, it was, a, it was humbling. Like I said, I was bigger than everybody growing up. So in middle school, I was the guy. Um, on my AU teams, the guy. So now you're going into a situation which I knew nothing of Dominguez outside of Kenny Bruner. So Jay Hart would always have Kenny Bruner and, be, and Baron Davis uh, come, to, come to our middle school horseman. Uh, we'd get some open runs in on Sunday. So I was able to watch those guys as I grew up. And then um, Kenny, I remember talking to Kenny about it, and he had told me, you go to school in Compton. Once again, I'm shielded to L.A. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know where Compton was. Heard about it. Wow. Never been there, probably been through there, but wasn't like a place as an L.A. kid, I'm just going to Compton. No, mm-hmm. no reason to be in Compton. So um, went to go watch him play in the game and saw Tayshaun Prince, Jason Thomas, mm-hmm. saw some of those players, Mike Carson, and was like, I don't know if I'm ready for high school. Like, I don't, this is going to be tough. So um, ended up going on like a, a, a workout. And two of my friends and my AAU teammates, Bobby Jones and Darian Sanders, uh, who we were playing Diamonds in the Rough with. Bobby was playing with Slamming Jam. And I just remember us going up there as like three eighth graders going into the ninth grade as like just to go to open gym with them. It was like, I think we all should come here. But I don't know if we're going to play. So everybody was, Bobby was 6'6", six, six, Darius like 6'7". So it was like, man, if we do it, like, let's really push and, like, see if we can make this. Like, we'll just go through this experience together. Mm-hmm. So I went to the open gym. They put us on the same team. We got out there. We lost the first game, as you'll imagine. And then our toughness kicked in. Mm-hmm. Bobby's from Compton. I'm from South Central L.A. Darius is from Watts. So after that first loss, and we kind of got the feel, like, don't be scared. Just go out here and play. And then you sh- we showed our true colors. <laughs> got out there and started talking mad, start bumping. <laughs> Fight's about to break out. But we gained their respect. As yep. soon as we get that, like, oh, man, they can, they can play here. And once we got that respect from the players, the, the returners, it was like, all right, like, this is something we need to do. Man, so made varsity your freshman year. Yes. So very rare back in those very days. Rare. What was that pressure like? What was that like where, where, where are you in your environment because it was basketball? You didn't recognize that, hey, this is a... So the, the, the harsh reality of it was that I live in Los Angeles. I go to school in Compton. Mm. So for me, that's two buses and a train to get to school. So for people that are from, you know, my part of the city understand this, like Dominguez colors are red, black, and gold. I live in a predominantly blue area. <laughs> so days that we had games, we had to wear our sweatsuits. And sweatsuits is all red. I wore another sweatsuit on top of the red sweatsuit just to get to school. And then when I got to school, I would change out because there's no way in the world I was going to make it from my house to Compton in an all red sweatsuit. So Man. that part was changing because I, I lived I lived near all my schools, 74th Street Elementary, Horseman, all walking distance. Yeah. I really should have went to Crenshaw, but I had an issue with them during the summer with one of their best players, so I ended up going to Dominguez. 
But uh, that was the hard part, just getting to school and realizing like the hoods that I got to go through, that survival of just getting to school. So once I got to school, there was no pressure. I, I made it to school, so the pressure was over. And once you stepped on the basketball floor, um, shout out to my teammates, uh, the, the the upperclassmen, like Marcus Moore was an unbelievable vet for me. I'm not calling him a vet in high school, but yeah. for him to be my senior, like he really took me under his wing and, and showed me. I had teammates that were super special. Keelan Fortune, oh my God, how good he was. Um, then you had the Michael McKinney's, the Ron, the Ron Jackson's, you know, the Steve Morris of the world. So talented, one through 10, yeah. one through 12 is really good. And for me, it was just a development. Just find a way to get on the floor when I could. And um, when I got on the floor, it was just play defense. We were, we were, our whole identity was defense, was defense. So get out there, guard 94, pick up, play hard, and support your teammate. The name on the front is more important than the name on the back. And for uh, our coaching strategy, the way he, he coached us at the time, Russell Otis, was, you know, fight for your brother. Mm. So I remember, like, when you got subbed in, like, it was, it was joy. Like, oh, man, you coming in for me? Like, here's your chance. Here's your opportunity to go have fun. Right. And then as you got older, like, I'm coming out? Like, you pow, you get down. So the the culture shifted. But playing at Dominguez was, was arguably the greatest decision I had made in life. That's awesome, man. I got to ask about that culture, man. How did Coach instill that in you guys, to have that excitement for your teammate, even when you guys were all good enough to play? I don't know. I don't think anyone could recreate it. Um, I've tried as a coach and it's nearly impossible. I don't know how we did it, but we bought in. And that was the, the, the beauty of it. It's like you have 12 players, some transfers, some returners, and we're all literally want to play for each other. Like we want to win. Whether I play one minute or I play the entire game, like I want to win. Mm. You know, we're diving on the floor. Like we literally are holding our hat on like no help defense. Like we're watching video and I'm picking up guys at three-quarter court, and everybody's in denial. It was like, man, trust your guys. Like, we trust you to stop that player. And that, that culture for us was special. Um, my first three years, along with, like I said, Tyson Chandler, uh, we went 103 and nine. Lost nine <laughs> games in three years. Yo. I had won three, won three consecutive games. So freshman year, what, 30, 35 and three. Sophomore year, 40 and two. Junior year, thirty-four and four. Yeah, I played a lot of games too. Man. Well, playoffs, so. and we were, oh, yeah, yeah. and we travel, and we yes, travel. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, we didn't play our first home game until December. Like for us, we travel like in. So that's like the national, like a oh, know, no, national, national level schedule. team. Yeah, we were the national, national schedule. So back then, it was us, modern day Westchester, right, Fairfax, Fairfax to some degree. Inglewood came around. Artesia was right. Artesia was there early. Right, right. I'm saying so. Those were like they were really, really big schools. Man, so through those three years, hundred plus wins, playing with the pro like Tyson Chandler, man, and and all the other guys that were on the team at that time, um, what did you recognize about somebody who was a pro that early? Like looking back on their 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 level of dedication. Like mind you, we're regular students. Come to school, go to class, go to lunch, come to basketball practice. Staying after practice back then really meant something. You know what I'm saying? Because mm -hmm. kids weren't just going home like. Here it is. Like I said, I got to catch a bus. Like yeah. I'm going to catch the last bus because I want to get extra shots up with Steve or me and Tyson want to work on live plays or how to pass him the ball better or, 
you know, me, Bobby, and Darius playing one-on-one. I got to, you worked on how to pass yes, somebody listen, the ball better. I love it. Post-injury <laughs> is the most underrated pass in basketball because, yes. and I had the luxury of playing with the number two pick in the NBA draft. So <laughs> I had to learn how to throw a seven-foot of the ball. Like, you, you literally just can't throw it anywhere. You would assume so. But for him, I had to throw it to where he wanted it. I had to learn how to throw it against other athletic bigs. You know, mind you, the guys that we were playing against at that time, the Kwame's and the Eddie Curry's, like there's other six, ten, seven footers, <laughs> right. David Lee's of the world. Like we're throwing it up there, and Tyson ain't the only person that can go get it. So <laughs> I had to be able to make the right pass and get it to where he wanted. The whole throw it to his hand and when throw a bounce pass or a pocket pass or like when to lob it up. So um, we had to work on that, and you know, and because of our relationship, I really wanted to work on it. Because I realized the point and the point guard and the center position for us were were the key spots where he and I got to be on the same page, you know. So I want to make sure I kept him happy because I wasn't I was a great defender, but I'm not the greatest defender. So somebody's gonna turn the corner, <laughs> and I want to make sure that my big guy is gonna go smack it off the backboard. So, I, so <laughs> right. it was a give and give. So if I'm sitting there getting beat on defense or we're overhelping, you knew you had Tyson back there to protect you. So I wanted to make sure when I rewarded him on the other end. Man, that's awesome. And and through all those years, just traveling and playing, is there any particular opponent that stood out to you or a person like, dang. So the opponent, nice. and, and Steve Smith will love this, is always Oak Hill. So back then, Oak Hill would be like our in, our national rival. Mm-hmm. We played Oak Hill every year. Okay. Matter of fact, the event was set up for the biggest play Oak Hill every year. It was the Nike Extravaganza. Yeah. Every year we played Oak Hill. I was there in 2000. When was Tyson's last year? 01. 01? So I was there in 2000. So you were there for a national championship. Yeah. At Long Beach State. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like always a great game. Like really. Like and, and then I remember my for the story I give you my freshman year. We're playing him at Cal State Fullerton. Um, Steve Blake, Sagata Giop, uh, Travis Slay. They had another kid who was a, who who became a pro. It was a wing. He only takes like matter of fact. Remember the guy from Air One Helicopter? Yep. Was on Oak Hill scene. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, Steve at that time, Oak Hill only takes seven, eight guys. Like, right. And all are Division One guys. Right. So we're, we're warming up. And anyone that comes from my era, remember, Dominguez, we had our own structured warm-up. And it was like something to see. It was like, it was just the way we warmed up. And it was like, it was like a... Choreography, it was like a choreographed dance. Like a Remember the Titans. Yeah, so yeah, we had, yeah. A, we had a whole entrance and people would come to watch us warm up. So we had this rule, we never watch the opponent warm up. So as you know, we're warming up and you hear a bunch of oohs and ahs. We're not, it's not <laughs> us. We're not dunking the ball. A few of us are, not everybody. But you just keep hearing all these oohs and ahs and like that one moment you kind of look over, <laughs> Oak Hill's jumping out the gym. So you kind of watch it like, oh, it's, it's, this is about to get crazy. Sold out. It's 2,000 people outside trying to get in. And every time we played them, it was standing room only. And they, they, they just compete. And like I said, he only has seven, eight guys. Like, we're 12, 15 deep. And I remember getting in the game. A sub Marcus maybe for like a minute. Get in. I'm picking up Steve Blake. Have no idea who he is. <laughs> All I know is I'm from South Central LA. I go to school in Compton. And I see a white boy dribbling. I'm picking him up 94. He has no chance. I can guard him. No idea who he is. <laughs> right. Pick him up 94. I, slap, I think I slapped the ground. I, I went through the whole defensive <laughs> drill. I'm, I'm moving him east and west, trying to get him to turn the ball over, gets it to his offense. My young ass gets turned around, gets bumped off a screen, Uh-oh. late close, he gets a three. I, I close out late. I think I bumped him as he went down. Splash. Three point, four point play. And one. No, it ain't the end one. 
Marcus gets right back up, runs to the oh. table. <laughs> and I get some. I head down, hardest sprint ever to the end of the bench. I did not want to look my coach in the face. I freshman. That's this why freshman don't play. I'm sitting there like, damn. Thought I could guard the white boy. <laughs> right. Came in, found out he's a league guy. Right. This kid's going to the league. But that's the reality of basketball. Like, you mm-hmm. never know how good these guys are. 100%. And Oak Hill always been good. So my sophomore year, we got our revenge, our redemption. Um, we beat them here at Long Beach State. When we were the number two team in the country, they were number one. We beat them. We switched places. We finished our season. We were the national champions that year. Man, yep, I remember that game. That was like my first. I was playing in middle school. That was my first year of high school, but I didn't know. You know, I'm in Corona, Santiago High School. It's a newer high school at that, so we had some people, but you know, Corona Centennial was the, the show for us. Jamal, Jamal Williams, Williams. Sabizma, hey, all them, yep. I got an IE story for you. Okay, yeah, so, but that that's where I think Corona Centennial played before, mm-hmm. and so I was like, oh, it's this game. Yeah. <laughs> like, not even knowing what was happening. But uh, crazy, absolutely wild, and that's man. I fell in love with that environment, and I'm like, oh man, this is a real thing. I.e. story. So, out of those nine losses that I told you about, that's those first three years, my first three years of high school, we didn't really lose a lot in state. So, we have three losses that come from schools in state. We lost to Clovis West twice. I'm, I remember that game and as well. Shout out to Clovis West, like. I don't know how they did it. They like they pressed the entire game. They just they made it very difficult. And then we lost to Upland. Sheldon Pace, um, Jason Harris, Kirk mm, Snyder. Yes. So we're in we're in Fresno. This is after Clovis West tournament. We play them in the semis to lead to go play Clovis in the championship. And I don't know what breakfast they had that morning or what they <laughs> did, but they came out ready to play. Like, it was, like, if there was a point spread or a bet, like, we definitely had to beat by 30. Oh, they flipped the switch. They beat us by, like, 20-something. Dang. They smacked us. They, they beat us. And after that game, going to the locker room, and we all look at each other. Mind you, like I said, it's okay. It's, I'm not saying it's okay, but it's okay to lose Oak Hill. You know what I'm saying? Like, right, right, right. Top five team in the country. Like, you don't lose the Upland. Right. You know. So we go in the locker room, and, like, our just, our whole mentality shifted. Mm-hmm. We will never lose again. <laughs> like, we're not losing any more games this season. Like, and like they woke us up. Like, it was a, like to go in and think, like, yeah, we're good because we, we played. We've actually this is your sophomore year. This is my junior year. Your, ah, junior year. So you guys have already been winning and feeling the flow. So, yeah. so it's like, yeah, so we, I mind you, we're coming off another state title, coming off a state, uh, a national championship. It's like, like, that was the, like, all right, we got this. Like, this yeah. will never happen again. So that was like, our, that was our, matter of fact, that was our third loss of the year. We had two early losses. That season, Tyson had pneumonia. We were playing in Delaware. Mm. Um, we lost to Willow Ridge, TJ Ford, uh, Daniel Ewing, oh, man. and uh, Kenny Tyler, Ivan McFarland. Loaded. Top five team in the country. Loaded. Um, without Tyson, me, Bobby Darius, Samir Hernandez, uh, Saul, Montel, we held on. We ended up losing by like five or something. Okay. That was actually like my coming out party. I ended up like really playing well against TJ Ford in front of every coach in America. And it was like, you know, like I said, my, oh God, who is this kid? This is when your recruitment started picking up. Uh, they picked up greatly. Like I destroyed TJ Ford in terms of numbers. Not right, like, right, right. like I said, I ended up having like 17, 12, and eight or something. And we, he, they won, but against the arguably the number one guard in that class. 
Um, so it was my coming out party. Um, and then just recruitment just skyrocketed. No, I think that's important, just the piece of uh, performance in one game can literally change the landscape. I think it changes your confidence, mm-hmm. one, and that's what you really need with this, with this basketball game, and two, playing in front of the right people at the right time can, you know, spark something. Yeah, so yeah. being ready to play at all times is, uh, is important. I mean, you know? had to. We, Bobby, Darius, and I kind of always knew, like, Tyson's on our team. Like, why not take advantage of this? This dude's going to the league. Like, college coaches are coming anyway. Just, it's a shot in the dark to get them. But they'll show up. And, like, why not let them remember us? <laughs> right. You know, like, when we played against Eddie Curry in uh, St. Louis. Couldn't play him in Chicago. No way in the world. Right. So, um, when we played uh, DJ Wagner. You know, so, like, when we, when we traveled and played these guys, like, we knew they were coming to see Tyson. But we averaged 80-some points. DeJuan Wagner? No, no, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, that's a DJ. You said DJ, no, yeah, yeah. LeBron, DJ's five. How many did he give you? So at this time, he's averaging 58. <laughs> yeah, I know that. I'm like, <laughs> like, that year he scored 100 points. Yeah. And there's no way in the world, like, with the defenders we have, like, we're not letting this kid score that much. He finished like 36. But it was the hardest 36 of his life. Right, like, that's 20 below his average. No, no, but it's 36 <laughs> against four really good defenders. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I'm picking up 94 and then. Darius has him from half court to three line, and Bobby three line to free throw, and Tyson under the free. Like we were scheming for him, mm-hmm. and he's still making tough shots. Like I think their whole family is good. Yeah, you know. Yeah, so, um, you know, you had guys. Uh, actually, Eddie Curry played well against us. Uh, Eddie Griffin was probably one of the most memorable performances. Mm. Um, he had a triple doubles against us. Uh, Roman Catholic came out here. They played us. They walked in. We're at Linwood. I never forget the game because their colors are purple and gold, which. I same like colors at home. in Linwood. But they walked in with Tim's on. They got the purple sweatsuit with Tim's on. You know, <laughs> L.A. dudes. It's like, no way in the world. Nah, this ain't it. He comes out, he's killing. Like, I've rarely seen people block Tyson's shot. Like, no, no, he's, he was very, very good. Yeah. And then, all of a sudden, he's like making shots, getting to the rims. Like, we couldn't do nothing with him. You look up, we're up 30. So, like, yeah. we're blowing his team out, but he's holding it down. Like, Eddie Griffin was really good. Do you remember that uh, it was a mixtape called Born the Ball? Born the Ball, of course, of course. Yeah, man, that's where I got to see all these guys you talking about. Like, it's, it's playing back in my head. I'm like, oh. Yeah, like I said, Kwame, like I said, we, we, yeah. we were able to just see some of the, the best talent, like, and really, like, go against it at a young level. So, for it made college easy for me. The transition for us from high school to college mm-hmm. was simple because you played at that level. These are guys you're going to see next year. Right. You know, Bobby went on to Washington, they went on to the league. Darius went to Oregon. Steve went to Arizona State. Michael went to Pepperdine. Man. Larry Johnson went to Long Beach State. Marcus Moore went to Washington State. Keith Brooks went to Washington State. Sherman Gay went to uh, LMU. Uh, Keith Kincaid went to West Virginia. You know what I'm saying? Like, we were just loaded with talent. And, like, our practices were crazy because it's nine, ten Division One dudes just in practice. Like, and that's where we got better at. Like, yeah. We were really, like, really trying to go at each other in practice because they were going to be better than most of our games. Man, that's dope. And so for your recruitment, how did that pick up? What was your recruiting journey like? And So my up? first two years, Coach Otis had this thing about, um, I guess you would say mm-hmm. humility. We would get no letters. So Or you, you wouldn't see the letters No, no, you, you wouldn't getting. get them. He just wouldn't give them to you. Right. So you would have them. <laughs> like I said, we're, me, Bobby, and Darius were getting recruited by everybody. We're freshmen playing at the highest level. Bobby and Darius were actually getting a lot more minutes than I was as freshmen, and then I led us to a, you know, a state and national my sophomore year, so it really picked up. But you wouldn't have known because you weren't getting your letters until you were a junior. So going into my junior year, you remember the crates that people used to put their music in, the albums? Yeah. 
just crates of letters. It's like, yeah, here's your junior year. Like, every school that you can imagine is recruiting you. It was like, oh, wow, I'm going through every single letter. So I get home, I'm like, oh, wow, I'm getting recruited by these schools. Oh, this is crazy. Like, you had no idea. And then you knew it was real when they were hand, when the letters, when the letters were handwritten. Yeah. Oh, man, I thought I was a guy. It's like, <laughs> no way in the world I'm getting handwritten letters. And, like, from these schools, you know not even thinking about, in hindsight, like how big of the programs were. Right. It was just schools in different states to me. Like you see a letter from Kansas, like, oh, it's a school in Kansas. Like, I had no idea that's <laughs> Kansas University, you know what I'm saying? So, Man, do you think there's a method to that, though, Coach? Not, you know, not showing you who you're getting recruited by. Like, is that even possible today? With no, I mean, it's the impossible today. Works? But, but do you think that that mindset that, you know, hey, you're just grinding? It worked for us. Yeah. I said it worked for us because not only are you playing – on a top five powerhouse school against division one talent on your own team is to make sure that you understand the the next level. Like you're not there yet. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So if you, you, you could arrive too early. We see in letters as freshmen, you know, like I said, we don't know how those letters affect you because I mean, went out there thinking I'm the man, but like right. I said, I'm playing seven, eight minutes as a freshman, this letter and this time, the playing time don't add up. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> right. So, after coming off a national championship, it's like, all right, I get it. Yeah. And then after showcasing my ability at Nike camp and all of the other camps that were around playing AAU, they're like, all right, now I belong on the stage. Like, now yeah. where's where's my reward? You know. Yeah. So by that time, I'm, a, I'm two years older. I'm more mature. So that's why I think it made perfect sense for our program. Yeah. All right, so recruitment. Talk about it. What, what um, after my junior year, uh, I, I sprouted a little more. I, I went into high school like six one two hundred, so it seems like every year I got an inch taller and about five pounds of muscle. Uh, really didn't lift weights. Uh, my mom was a disciplinary, so every time I got in trouble, I was twice her size. So every time I got in trouble, it was all push-ups. Oh wow! So I was just doing push-ups every time she felt I did something wrong. I thought I was a good kid, but <laughs> you know, every time I did something wrong, I need five hundred push-ups. Like what? All right, well, I'm not about to get a whooping. Uh, so. Little toddy, let's go. You have to hit some push-ups yeah, when we go, get home. Let's, let's go there and get <laughs> Seems like every year I just like I said was physically put that weight on. So I'm like six three and a half, six four, two fifteen, looking like a NFL linebacker, playing a point guard. So um, just working my athleticism and it started to show. You know, I really was coming on my own after those years of playing with Tyson, just being a facilitator, being I was a traditional point guard. Yeah. You know, really just come down, defend, get get guys in sets, make sure everybody was happy. It wasn't really about the scoring aspect for me right. because I had enough scores. Um, then going into my senior year is when we had the biggest jump. Um, Tyson graduated. We won our third consecutive state title. Um, my head coach had got into some legal issues, uh, and we we split up. So we had the three returners, Bobby Darius and myself, who were top 100 in the country. And then we had Samir Hernandez, Saul Langster, who were maybe top 200. Like They were up and coming mm -hmm. as well. So we had what we call ourselves a Fab Five. Coming back, we would have easily been a top five team in the country. Hmm. Easily. Like I said, we're returning three starters from three right. consecutive state titles right. and a national championship and then two guys that have played a great role in the last two years. So we split up because Compton Unified wouldn't hire Coach Otis back. Hmm. So some people were going to split. We were going to be petty, like the ultimate level of petty. Dominguez and Linwood are rivals, like real rivals. We were going to transfer to Linwood. Just so, so you could just so we could beat Dominguez because they wouldn't bring the coach back because he mm. was going to Linwood said they were going to hire him so we're all going to transfer to Linwood to play against Dominguez and win the state title for the rival. 
Didn't work that way. Uh, Linwood didn't hire him. Um, so in that process, we split. Bobby ended up going to Long Beach Poly. Darius went and going to Centennial. I think Saul ended up going from Poly to Centennial. Samir went to Sarah. And then I was going to go back to Crenshaw. So mind you, I'm from that area. Yeah. So me, Marcus Williams, Onia Beckway, Kenny Beckway oh, was yeah. going to transfer. Like, we were getting, they were going to be very good. T, uh, again, by the TJ. So we were going to be really good. We, I played with them in a while, like, at all the summer things. We was running through the city. We ended up beating, I think, Fairfax in the championship. So everybody thought I was going to go back to Crenshaw. I ended up going back to Dominguez, mm. playing for a new coach, uh, Matt Calvin, and having only two returners from my team the previous year. Trayvon Free and a kid by the name of Jason Murdoch. Mm. And the new coach came in and was just basically, you know, this is 2001 going into 2002, so he was on some real Kobe and Shaq stuff. Like, oh, I want you to be Kobe and we're going to have Trayvon Free be Shaq. Like, Trayvon is like 6'7", 6'8". He's a good kid. He wouldn't be one, but it's like, he's not Shaq. (laughs) And I'm definitely not Kobe. You know, like, (laughs) I I haven't scored enough points to even think I'll be close to Kobe. But his mentality was he wanted me to offensively just have a free year. Mm. And um, that year, I led the state to score. Man. Second to another IE guy. Actually, you know, beat me at the last two games. Marvin Lee. Oh, yeah. Marvin Lee. So, mm-hmm. Marvin Lee's daughter is in court now. Mm-hmm. And it, so, <laughs> so, Marvin's really one of my good friends. Yeah, so, man. me and Marv were battling my, our senior year. Um, I had it 98% of the time. And then, like, the last two games of the season, he, he beat me, like, a point two or something. Oh, man. So, um, I had an unbelievable year. Yeah. Unbelievable senior season. That's the, the shift from being a traditional point guard to being a scoring point guard. What was that like? Or was that like, like, dang, I didn't know I was this good? Or you know you had it in you? So I knew I had it in me because I was a scorer growing up. Like I, could, okay. actually I was bigger than everybody, so it was easy for me to get baskets. Mm-hmm. But the, the amount of pressure I would put on myself to be good at that time. Mind you, I had Tyson, Bobby, right, Barry. Right. Like, <laughs> I had help. You know what I'm saying? Like I could just have a bad night and just pass the ball, but now needing me to score for us to win has been, you know, that's where it's like, I can't have a night off. Yeah. I averaged 25 something, almost average triple double, 20, 25, nine and eight. And the lowest I scored that year was 17, but I accumulated more losses as a senior than I did in three years. We finished the year like 21 and 11. Mind you, three years, I had only lost nine. All the teams that were like, we were smacking my freshman, sophomore, junior, couldn't wait to schedule us. Right. Matter of fact, funny enough, this was the first year, what is now called the Trevor Reza Classic, mm-hmm. the Westchester tournament. Was, that was the first year of my senior year. And you would have never had Westchester schedule Dominguez on the same side. Right. We would actually never play each other. Well, I mean, if they would want to play us, we would play, but we really don't play each other. Mm-hmm. We don't really play a ton of the city schools. Um, you play them at the end. Yeah, playoffs. like I said, yeah. we'll play them in something like it'll have to be a tournament. Yeah, because CIF and City would schedule each other. Yeah, we play the Redondos, the West, uh, the Artesias. Yeah, you know the Inglewoods, the Modern Days. Like we didn't get a chance to play a ton of city schools, um, but they access the Compton tournament. We get in the tournament. We're on the same side. We're actually scheduled to be the second round game. I'm like, oh, this is personal. <laughs> Every single dude, all Westchester's team is guys I grew up with. We're like. Since we were kids. This is Hassan Adams, Bobby uh, Bobby Brown, Brandon Heath, uh, Keith Everidge, Shanti Cook, Brandon Bowman, Scott Cutley, Trevor, Trevor Reza. No, no, no. Loaded. They won state that year. Arguably one of the best California teams of all time. Like, they were loaded. We played Pasadena in the first round, which you would think Dominguez Pasadena should be an easy game. We barely beat Pasadena. Hmm. Barely beat them. We scheduled 
7 o'clock against Westchester. Come out, gym is packed. It's, it's a crazy atmosphere. I'm ready for it. We get out, we blink. We're down 30. <laughs> you blink again, 40. They are, dis- they are beating the dog out of us. Like, we're getting our ass whooped. But I'm out there fighting as if, like, everything I've ever had is on the line. Mind you, me and Asan Adams have literally grown, known each other since the age of six, like, okay. competing our entire life. You would have thought it was personal. And all of those guys, like, they, we all grew up together, like, personal. I finished the game with, like, 41 of our 56. Oh, that's ugly. No, no, we got, we got, we got smacked. We got smacked. Man. But you would have not known by the way I played. Like, I was literally out there going at those dudes, and it was because, we're, you know, we, we competed at that level. Like, I didn't see yeah. the score. I just saw other Division One guys that I wasn't going to let beat me out at that possession. So, it kind of in my head, we laugh about it now. It's like, when I pass the ball, they become Division One defenders. And when they were guarding me, they was like, all right, Keon, <laughs> shoot it. Like, have fun, bro. We're not going to do this to you our senior year. But it's like, as soon as I let that ball go, they were full court press, stealing the ball, dunking the ball. I'm sitting there like, damn, like, I've never been, I've never been beat by 50 in my life. Like, like not only the embarrassment, just the prestige of where I come from. Like, yeah. All I've ever known is Dominguez, and all we've ever done is win. Like, this, like, how am I going to walk out this gym with Dominguez on my chest? Like, I yeah. went in that locker room and spazzed out. Yeah. Y'all ain't done. Just take these jerseys off. Oh, no, I was, like I said, I, I can't, we, we created that culture that we yeah. spoke about earlier. Like, yeah. that wouldn't have happened ever last year. <laughs> right. I'm not saying we don't lose a game. But right. This, you, you, the you way you lost. You don't yeah. lose like this. Even when I told you about the Upland game, like, we were in there fighting. We just, we were just got too far down and still far back. Like, we didn't just give up. Like, 20 plus is means you gave up. 50 means you gave up. Like, we're talking about yeah. nothing to tell. That's just effort. Yeah. Like, yeah. you could, I would rather you flagrant foul somebody, not hurt them, but to let them know, like, all right, bro, this is not going to be the season. Like, <laughs> y'all just letting these dudes dunk on us and yeah. laughing on us, celebrating. Like, I couldn't imagine now with the whole boom thing that they do yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Couldn't have done it back then. I would have been kicked out of games. <laughs> Which a dude would shoot a three and go boom in my face. Not where I'm from. Right. We're gonna it's gonna we're gonna lead the team to street fights as well. But um <laughs> but after after just going through that my senior year, man, it just it it matured me beyond my years. Like mm-hmm. I knew that I was ready for college. I knew physically I was ready for college, but now the mentality is I knew both spectrums of being a role guy, yeah. being a leader, and then being the best player. Yeah. Yeah. So college. College is where the story changes for me. Um mm-hmm. Highly recruited, high time, the top 50 in the country, potentially every school in America. Five visits, UConn, Oklahoma State, uh, Michigan State, Texas, and UTEP. No California uh, schools. No, so I wasn't a, I wasn't a Pac-10 at that time. I wasn't a Pac-10 build. Like, I didn't look like uh, Pac-10 guards. Gotcha, gotcha. Yep. You know, so back then I wasn't, I was SEC, ACC, like. Bigger athletic. Big 12, yep. like, so I was a big mm-hmm. 6'5", 230 at this point. Like, I don't look like any point guard outside of Baron, maybe. But I don't look like any guards in the country. I don't even look like a West Coast player. Mm-hmm. I was getting greatly recruited by Midwest, East schools, yeah. Southern schools. Um, thought I was going to go to Oklahoma State or UConn. It felt great. I loved Eddie Sutton. Loved Coach. I, I just thought those were the schools. Kind of, I loved it. Um, I would have been teammates with Tony Allen at Oklahoma State. Really a good dude. I thought that that was going to be the thing. At UConn, it would have been uh, Emeka Okafor, oh, Ben yeah, Gordon, yeah. Talik Brown. I was trying to, uh, uh, Denim, what was Denim? I want to say Anderson. Denim, this is Denim Brown? I think mm-hmm. Denim Brown. Marcus, was Marcus? Marcus would have been in the next year. So, okay, yeah. Marcus, so 
um, loaded. I just don't my and that's just my, my 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 confidence back then, because I knew the schools that were recruiting me, I could play right away as a freshman. Yeah. Talik Brown, I was not going to play over him. Like senior guard, one of the best guard, one of the best point guards in the country. Like it's, it reminded me of my freshman year with Marcus Morris. Like I'm gonna come in and play spot minutes. So my ego at that time, like nah, I don't know if I want to <laughs> sit the benches. I go to any of these schools and start. Uh, Georgia Tech would have been me, Jerry Jack, Chris Bosch. Mm. Um, Michigan State, who would have been there? Kevin Tolbert. Kevin Tolbert would have been with me at Michigan State. Paul Davis, 6'11 six, 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 white boy, pretty good. Mm. Um, but I ended up taking my last trip to uh, University of Texas El Paso. And that was purely out of like them recruiting me since the beginning. Mm. And I ended up taking two of my good friends with me. And I know he loves this story. So I ended up taking Onia Beckway and Ryan Hollins. So Ryan's my guy. This is like people don't know Ryan. Ryan blossomed so late in basketball, yeah. and he turned into be a special talent. Mm-hmm. So right around that time, Ryan wasn't even being recruited. Right. I'm thinking like, well, if I'm going to this school. I'm gonna take somebody that I know with me. So I told Ryan and O to come with me. Ryan's like six ten, Oni's like six eight. Like I'm at least have some size and forwards with me. And then I ended up getting a kid that played at St. John Bosco. Shout out to my boy Giovanni Cinemont. So I was like, I'm going to just take Cali kids. We just going to go to, like, what's the movie, Glory Road? Yeah, Glory Road. So I'm going to just take all my guys. <laughs> we could go in and put Utah back on the map. So ended up loving. Visit was cool. Had a great time. Um, came home and sat down with the family, my mom, and kind of really wanted to figure out what I was going to do with it. And it was like, do I want to be a small fish in a big pond or a big fish in a small pond? So it wasn't like I wanted to dodge anything. It was like with what I went through my senior year being a man, it kind of felt good. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, maybe I want to stay in this 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 area. Yeah. Maybe I want to just go be the man one or two years and I'm out. <laughs> like I'm already, they're already talking about I'm, I could be in the, like I said, physically I belong in the NBA. Right. So it's like I'm not too far off. Work on my jumper and be a little more consistent at it. Like I could be a late first round pick. Yeah. Let's just go to a school where you can be the man. Yep. So turn down all those schools. I commit to UTEP. And right out the gate, um, was getting ready. Everything sounded good. And then uh, the associate head coach ended up leaving. Um, Sylvie Dominguez ended up leaving. He was a former recruiter at SC. Then he was going, I think he went to Wyoming. Said he was leaving. He was a guy that really heavily recruited me. I had a great relationship with him. Kind of just told me some things were going to happen with the program. And then I ended up, like, opting out. Like nah, too much movement going on. So I ended up going to junior college to get out my letter of intent. So I ended up going to JUCO in Arizona, Yavapai Community College, um, where the head coach was the director of basketball operations at Oklahoma State. So wait, that wait, was wait, the, wait. the head coach. The head coach. My head coach. The head coach that got the job was the director of basketball operations at Oklahoma State. So he knew who you. So were. no, no, we were. That was already a relationship. So like, got it. I didn't choose Oklahoma State. Like. And so it was amazing. I should have I, I went there, or UConn, and ended up going to play for him at the New Junior College. Qualified, everything. I was only going to be there one year. If I knew the rules back then, I knew now, I would actually redshirt. I would have set out. Right. And kept off four. Yeah. So go as a freshman, turn the whole city around. I had a kid on my team, Larry Owens, who ended up going to the NBA, played the Oral Roberts. Um, we were loaded. We had some t- ton of talent. J.R. Reed, Jared McFarland, Mark Connectney. You guys um, made the national tournament. We did. We were we won our region, which we region number one. Went to Hutch twice, nice. so got to Hutch, and that's where I realized junior college is not a walkthrough. Oh no! No no no! Junior college, <laughs> grown men. Yep. Junior college is real. Um, 
But that was the, the situation. So went through our freshman year, could have went on to college. We got to the Final Four at Hutch. And then this is where the, I don't want to say the manipulation, but the way coaches can move players' thoughts. So the all-man comeback next year, we'll work on this. You had offers from school? I, I had every single offer. The moment I chose junior college, every single school that, that offered me in high school, offered me a juco. Came back. Like, we'll take you. Like, so this is where the, the interest is starting. So Marcus. So Marcus is at UConn. Mm-hmm. So his father, Kelly, and I said, me and Marcus grew up together. So UConn has one scholarship left. It's between me and some kid named Rudy Gay. So they're like, <laughs> okay, we want to either bring in a combo guard so we can move Marcus to the two, or we're going to go get this wing. Mind you, same thing, no social media. I have no idea what Rudy Gay is. Right. I'm sitting there going, I don't know yet. Uh, let me let me figure this out. And then, of course, they signed Rudy Gay. So I go to junior college. Um, and I get hurt. So here's the first major injury. I get hurt my sophomore year. As I come back, like within the first two weeks of coming back, um, I have a microfascial surgery. Same surgery at this time. Um, Michael Finley had, Jason mm. Kidd, Greg Oden. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? These are, so this is Jerry Stackhouse. Like this is the injury that has put some careers down. And the science of it wasn't where it was. So I didn't know. No one's telling me. All I know right. is I'm tough. And they use a the tough card against me. Oh, you can play through that. Get the, go get the go get the scope. You'll be fine. You sit out a few weeks, get back playing. I played my sophomore year at about 70%. You can see me in the game limping. Like, just because I was tough. tough. My coach wanted me to be tough. Get out there. We need you. We're the top four team in the country. You got all these Division One bounce backs, you know. And the reality of the business is they're always looking out for themselves. Yep. So he was getting recruited or trying to get himself recruited. So he ended up um, sending a package deal with him and one of our other players, uh, Bryson Kruger, to Arizona State. So he took the job at Arizona State and left all of us at the campus. Like, I had never saw, we went to Hutch, we lost in the second round, I never saw my Juco coach again. We got back to campus. No words, no nothing. Nothing. Disappeared. Went to Arizona State. So all the college, mind you, no cell phones. This is, Whew, man. we have no access. So college coaches yeah. are calling the office, no one's answering. They, they, they're trying to recruit us, trying to commit, get visits, no one's answering. So lucky enough, because of relationships, all my good friends that were at schools that were possibly need a point guard that knew I was available were telling their coaches and called my personal phone, which would be like your dorm room. Right. So uh, shout out to Anthony Davis, head coach at Crossroads, yep. AD. Thank so you. AD with Inglewood, never lost. He never beat me, but he's one of my one of my very, very good friends. <laughs> so AD was at Austin P. Yeah. AD called his head coach, told his head coach to come recruit me, calls my dorm room and sets up the visit. Wow. So just like, oh man, can you come here and help? So. Um, my boy Oni did it at Long Beach State. Marcus did it at UConn. You know what I'm saying? So all my friends, uh, one of my boys did it at Tennessee. So they were all just reaching out to like, man, my boy Key's available. Like, y'all got to get in contact with him. So they were calling my dorm room so I could talk to the coaches. Wow. So me, coming off the injury, I knew I wasn't prepared to play at the bigger conferences. I wasn't right. ready to go back to the Big East or SEC. So I went home. I came home to Long Beach State. Like, I'm going to just stay local. Fans, I'm, I'm, I'm good here. Uh, 85% version of me is still good enough for the Big West. Like, mm-hmm. I should be able to do what I want to do here. Had a good team and great coaching staff, and injuries just derailed my career. I just could wow. never get healthy. I was in college six years and only played two. Whoa. So you had some uh, red shirt, medical uh, red med- shirt. Two, 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 two medical, two red, medical shirts. red shirts. And it was all knee? All knee. Same leg, right leg. So... Played there as a junior and then redshirted my senior year because the injuries uh, limited me to only 14 games as a junior. So I redshirted. I remember the doctor 
team doctor telling telling coach and telling me that I'll never play again. It's like, oh, he's done. Like this injury is too too far gone because, like I said, I didn't fully rehab and heal it. So now this leg is compensating for that. So now at the you know, say the D one level is a little you know, this a little more rigorous. The training, the the, the, right. the travel, just everything, practice, weights. Knee gave out mid season. So I'm now I'm sitting out the season, and I can say this now. I wouldn't have said it back mm-hmm. then, but. I I was so caught up on just the image yeah. of how I looked to people because I was tough. Remember, I'm from South Central. I purposely failed classes to be ineligible to, to let people know that I was hurt. Dang. I'd rather been academically ineligible than let people know that the reason I was sitting out was because I was hurt. Because I never wore sleeves or the, the braces. Like I didn't. I never showed signs of weakness in my head. That's where I'm from. Yeah. So. I'd rather, and it's crazy because now looking at it in hindsight, I'd rather think you are. Think I'd rather you think I was stupid than injured. That you gotta speak to that. So coming from South Central and that that the uh, you know persona of toughness and knowing what tough really is now, um, why do you think that was? Because I'm sure you're not the only person who you know came from that area mm-hmm. and felt that way. Why is that so important? It's because it's it's it's, it's your it's your identity. So when we walk out that door, people are testing you every single second. And I'm not saying they don't test you in the suburbs, but mm-hmm. where I'm from is you can't show weakness. You can't show fear. <laughs> like you can't you damn sure they can't even show doubt. Mm-hmm. Like that'll give them a reason to try you. You know, like I said, I'm I'm already looked apart. I got braids, mm-hmm. big body, big dude walking around. I look like something. I could be affiliated. So you gotta be able to stand your ground. Or they will try you. They'll, they'll rob you. They'll pull a gun out on you, knife, whatever. Like, and at some point, you want to fight, you yeah. know. And that's how I grew up. So I would never show weakness. Like, I could be hurt right now. I could literally be. I'm supposed to be on crutches. I'm gonna be limping all day. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not gonna show you that these are these are these are things that give off weakness. Like I said, I, I, I eventually tore my ACL. We're supposed to wear the big brace. Yeah. I, I never wore the brace ever. Still to this day? I'm never going to wear it. I'm, gonna, I'm still going to wear it. Like, so I never, I, I never yeah. wore the brace ever. Man. And then right when tights or leggings came out for us, the three quarters, oh, I couldn't wait to wear them. So they cover up the scars. Dang. Yeah, that's, that, that was the mentality. It's like, I'm not going to ever show weakness. Somebody who may be in that same situation now, right, in a tough neighborhood where they got to always show toughness, what advice would you give them? in um, having the right mindset of having that balance of understanding what toughness is and um, the wisdom to know, hey, let's rehab this knee so you could live the dream. My advice would be be smart. I wasn't. I was, I was very smart academically. I was street smart, but I wasn't self-smart. Mm. Like I wasn't, I was so worried about perception from everyone else but my own. You know, for me, it was like, I don't want to feel weak in your eyes, but I'm only getting weaker because I'm not doing the things to get stronger. But as long as you think I'm tough, I'm, I'm okay. I'm, I'm sorry. It'll suffice. So I would tell that kid, don't worry about you. People are going to love you. People are going to hate you. People are going to talk about you anyway. I was raised by a, a, a Christian woman, my grandmother, who believed they talked about God. They damn sure going to talk about you. <laughs> so at the end of the day, you, you win and lose. You know, but it doesn't matter. What matters is how you move forward. So I would tell that kid, if you, you know, who cares about what they think? Who cares if they feel you're tough? The toughness now is being tough enough to sit down and get healthy. 
Yeah. You know, that's like I told you, know, you hear music, it's gangster down to buy your mama a house. Like, that's that's gangster. Like, the stuff that I went through, I thought that how it should have been. No, no, no. That's, that was, that's a misconception. It's not the reality. Reality is I should have sat down. I should have rehabbed. Forget these coaches. Right. Not necessarily forget my teammates because we in the grind together, but my coaches was like, oh, get out there and play because it was for you. Yeah. You didn't care about me. Yeah. You know, so at the end of the day, you got to care about you more than anybody else. Yeah. Man, thank you for sharing that, man, and having that revelation of, of, <laughs> of toughness. It's amazing. Um, so I have to ask, six years of college, did you get your degree? I did. I have three degrees. Have oh, three look degrees. at that. All right. Amen. So you, so did, you did what you were supposed to I do. I took <laughs> full advantage. Kids, pay attention. <laughs> take full advantage of college, which is why as a, now as a prep school coach, I stress it so much. Yeah. Like my mom, credit, shout out to my mother about that, like really warned me about my grades. They mattered from high, from every level. Like you could play, she told me, I could play any sport I want, do whatever I want, as long as I had good grades. So I played every sport, just to stay at the house, didn't want to be under her. She didn't want to keep yelling at me. <laughs> and then I just made sure, you know, that I, I took advantage of the academic system. And I'm not the biggest advocate of like, oh, you got to go to private schools or right. certain schools that are, have higher academic standards. That standard is you. Because as I check, we all get the same books. Yep. So if you want to put the energy and the effort towards it and reading and actually learn research and do your thing, then you'll gain that knowledge. I graduated from Dominguez with a 3.9 GPA. Like, yeah, all you went to Dominguez. No, I actually went to school. I went and looked in the <laughs> right. books and read and took pride in the fact that I wanted to learn something. I wanted to be knowledgeable. Same thing in college. I was on the dean's list four years of six. Like, well, I was a guy in college that represented the team. So, mm -hmm. like, when they had the meetings with all the student athletes and the representative, that's me. I'm the guy with the college shirt on going there representing the basketball team because I have the higher GPA and I'm the one you can sit in the room and I can talk to people. I know how to talk as an athlete. Yeah. So I ended up getting my graduate from, my undergrad from Long Beach in sociology and I got my master's from the D2 that I finished out of Missouri, which is Missouri Western in human development. Nice. Okay, so how long were you at Long Beach? I was then? at Long Beach two years, playing one, redshirted, mm -hmm. the then I transferred, went to Mizzou, then transferred to Missouri Western where I tore ACL. Crazy. Yeah. So it's crazy where basketball can take you and what you learn from it. At what point did you know that basketball wasn't in your future as far as playing? So right after college, right after the sixth year, I come home. Um, like I said, only major injuries. Never really had nagging. No no tweaked ankles or <laughs> dislocated shoulder. I've only had major injuries. And uh going into that first rookie season of trying to be a pro, just trying to figure it out. You know, workouts, really trying to find out information about overseas. The pros were out. Had some, at that time, the D-League. Mm. Had some D-League ties with Connects. So trying to see if I can get in some workouts and move around to see like, what I could do to just possibly keep the basketball journey going. And um, ended up waking up and one day and my knees were just bothering me. Mm. Like I said, never nagging injuries. So I'm like, hey, let me go get this checked out. Come to find out, I'm in the rare percentage of group that no one wants to be in. I know Brandon Roy's in it. We both have degenerative cartilage disease. So where most people's cartilage, I would say possibly a little bit thinner than this rim, ours is like paper thin. So every time I run, I'm shredding it quicker and quicker and quicker. So at the age of 26, they're like, the doctor tells me, you know, you literally like, you're going to probably need a cane or a walker if you keep playing. 
So I literally, Todd, literally, I walked away from basketball at the age of 26. Like I had to quit basketball because the condition my knees would have been in later in life it just wasn't worth it. Okay. So all I've ever known, mm-hmm. I had to walk away from one year removed from college. Okay. That's, that's crazy. It's life. <laughs> that's great. But to give, you gave it your all, one, right? And um, though, you know, your the tough, tough mentality may have been to your own demise, I think it gave you um, something that you have now is just like, yo, you could kind of do anything. Yeah, that yeah, you, you yeah. know, like, you know, anything you touch is going to be successful because you put the grind, the work in. And I think that's the important part of this mentality is right. that, hey, something's tough happening. I'm going to get through it, even if it means that I might not be able to walk. You right, walk right, the right, right way, right? right, 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 right but right. even having the wisdom to stop then as well. Um, I mean, yeah, don't, not having a choice. And now, where you are now, you know, uh, 15 or 20-something 15 years. Yeah, some, some years later, you're still connected to the game and doing more for the game than you may have planned it. And so, um, what was your first transition right after walking away? So, right after game? that, uh, right after the injuries, um, I went through that. I went through that. I, I wouldn't call it depression, but I went through some type of fog where it was the, the what if. Yeah. Like, I don't want to be the guy that in the, the history lesson goes, what if Keon was ever healthy? What would have happened? Like, I can imagine the amount of money I missed out on because of injuries. Like, mm-hmm. like I said, I'm looking at it with Brandon Roy. You're looking at it plenty of athletes. Like, not necessarily the guys that failed out of school, but like, damn, injuries really derailed my career. And mm-hmm. I was special. It wasn't like it was an injury that changed my game. It was like, it was my game. Like, I was yeah. athletic. I was strong. I was fast. Like, you need this knee. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, now my knees are completely gone. It's like, I can't be the same guy. So. It's not even trying to play this game. Like I can't even have fun at it because I can't be competitive at it. Right. Um, the next transition was trying to figure it out. It was go back to what, I, what, I, what I'm used to. For the hood, we got avenues, we got angles. Like, can I get back in the street game? That's the way you know the people I was around was raised. Like, I know this angle, but I know what it leads to. Yeah. So what's the need to go to all going to school all these years, get these degrees? And the flip side of, of education back then, time was I had no work experience. So right. I'm overqualified for every job. I got a degree, no work. You can't work in college under a scholarship. So it's like I got the degrees, no work experience. So it's going to cost you more to train me than it is to hire the guy with a with a bachelor's degree. Mm. So couldn't get a job, and then um, just floating around the LA basketball circle, circle with like the Drew League and the JBL at that time. Um, I started playing just locally mm-hmm. and bumping into guys and. Uh, at the time, a good friend of mine, uh, Roland Jones, who uh, whose wife, Delisha Bill Jones, played in the WNBA, mm-hmm. who's now the, uh, they're the they're coaches at Old Dominion. And um, he was like, let's let's get our own team and play in the Drew League. I'm like, cool, like, not a problem. So while we were building that team, guys were coming out here from other cities, other states, trying to get on. And um, I ended up bumping into a guy by the name of Sheldon Bailey. So Sheldon... And I were working out at the Spectrum in Manhattan Beach. And um, just getting reps in, just like I said, not doing too much. So once my body was done, it was done. Like, all right, bro, I'm done. Like, I'm, I'm not, I don't have to work out for a purpose. Like, I'm done. Right. So he started doing some things, and I just started slowly correcting him. It's like, he'll do something. Like, nah, Sean, like, do it this way. Like, hmm. change this, change that. And then, like, you know, those gyms, the older guys want to get on their play. I was like, well, try it against the older dudes, and they walk on and he was still in his pro career, still playing overseas. 
And I guess like a week went by and he kind of like really enjoyed the back and forth, like trying to fix his game when I could. And he literally asked me, like, man, you ever thought about being a trainer? You're kidding me, right? Like, who trained? Like, I can give you some pointers, but I don't think that I'm about to be in the gym with you every day teaching you basketball. You're too old. Like, in my head, like, I'm not saying you can't learn new tricks, but it's like, you kind of know what you need to do. Like, mm. You just want me to shag balls for you and give you some motivation. <laughs> but I don't think you really want me to break your game down. He's like, nah, man, like, get in the gym with me and, like, show me what you know. Mind you, all the experience I had with Tyson. So mm. I do know some post stuff. I was a big guard. I posted. I posted up as well. So, like, all right, well, let's see how this works. And I ended up training him for, like, two, three months and helped him get back overseas. Wow. He told his friend at the time, they're both from uh, Fayetteville, North Carolina, okay. Justin Johnson, who played at Ole Miss, and Justin had just had a training company. So Justin sat down with me and broke it all down. Like, here's what it costs, website, logo, like if you want to train wow. pros, kids. What year is this now? This has to be 2011, 10, okay. 11. All right. Right when it started popping yeah, with yeah, training. Yeah, yeah, right okay. So I'm sitting there wondering, like, ah, man, can I pull this off in Los Angeles? Like, hmm. resume-wise, the this new generation that we're in, doesn't they have no idea who I am. Like, yeah, I can go train my guys, but right. they're playing, so they don't really need me. Um, so went home, kind of just broken down, put everything in front of me, pros and cons, and the name, and how I'm going to do it, where I'm going to train at, what facility, who can I go after first. And the first thing that came to me was a, a statement no, well, no, well, I guess you said mantra that I developed in college. So a good friend of mine, Tahan Johnson, um, who played at Idaho, um, we were both uh, working out for the summer pro league and at Long Beach State. So we were up at like 6 in the morning, and uh, I was passing the ball. He was in a ton of shots, really good shooter. And um, one time he gave me like four or five runs, like cash, cash. He's like, that's money. And I was like, yeah, because you're consistent at it. And then literally, like, one more shot, and I was like, consistency leaves the currency. Mm. He stopped, looked at me, and was like, that's the sickest thing I've ever heard. That's the name of the company. I'm going to name my company CLC Basketball. Consistency leaves the currency. And the currency can be whatever you want it to yeah. be, but if you're not consistent at it, you'll never get to it. Either you're consistently good at it or consistently bad. So that's where CLC came from. Um, then a good friend helped me create the logo. And then next thing you know, I just, you know, took my background from growing up in the streets on how to attack the streets mm. and just flooded the streets. So I literally <laughs> was training people for $5, EBT, a meal, gas money, like whatever, whatever it was to get people in the gym. And it was mostly my peers. So all I had to mm. do was have them tell somebody else who will tell somebody else. It wasn't about the money. Right. I wasn't worried about the money at that point. It was... I just need people to know that it's real. So I ended up training. Shout out to my boy Terrell Hendricks, um, who got us Bellflower High School. He used to work there. Or at that time, he was working there. And they gave me a slot from Monday, Monday to Thursday from 8 to 10 p.m. Nice. And Consistent gym time. I was in there. Like, we were in there like pack rats. 40, 50 people. <laughs> oh, man. Kids, pros, girls, boys, any age group. Like, How was you organized? And that, that, that's, where the magic, that's where the magic came from. It's like, I figured it out. I was <laughs> obstacle course down here, something out here, something that half court. Like it just kept people in motion, like, and people started enjoying it, you know. So I started getting more people, and then of course, like I said, I'm I'm not charging anybody, so everybody runs the free. 
Yeah. So I'm getting more and more people. So then it got to the point where it was like, oh, that's too many people. Yeah. So I needed a, I needed a space where I can go earlier because late at night was tricky. It was in Bellflower. I live in L.A. Like, my, I'm not making a ton of money, so gas is crazy. Mm-hmm. So I had to get closer to L.A. And I had to get a clientele that I knew could make a different time slot. So I ended up connecting with my boy Jonathan uh, Davis. We call him App. He's the head coach of Dominguez, ironically. Mm-hmm. Um, he and I grew up together. So he's he was uh, he works the front desk at the at that time the Wine Guard YMCA, which is about ten minutes from my house, and uh, where I grew up playing at the Y. So I went up there and kind of just figured out how can I maneuver this open gym. There's not a soul in here. Okay. No one in here. All the older people there in the morning, they're not playing basketball. No one's in this gym. It's just open. So I'm trying to figure like, how can I get access to this gym? Like, I'll get a membership, and that's it. Does it matter? Oh, bet. Like, hey, everybody want to train with me? I'm in this gym from nine to three. All you gotta do is get a thirty dollar a month membership, wow. and we'll figure out like how much you pay me later. But if you can get here, then I can train you. And I ended up getting my first pro through that type of resource, which was. Flip Murray. Oh, man. Because I was uh, training one of his good friends that he went to college with, uh, Cedric Luss and Lamar Gill. So they connected. Like, he was At that time, he was still trying to get, in the league, get back in the league, mm-hmm. and the Clippers and Lakers had a workout for him. So he needed somewhere to work out in L.A. They connected him to me. I ended up getting him back to the G League, then back to Memphis. And then mm-hmm. after that, it, it, it blew up fast. <laughs> Wow, he, something he, so organic. Like, no, it was man. just natural. Like, and like I said, I wasn't, I wasn't charging people anything. No, I love it, man, because I don't think people understand when you give to something, it's gonna give back to you. Right, and putting right. that work in, like every trainer that I know is that that's does this for a living and is successful at it. They had to put a time in where mm-hmm. they were doing this for nothing, and their heart was in the right place. It wasn't like they were doing it, you know, scheming. It was like, no, nah, just for the love of the game, for for what it is. Like, then, I just, I just wanted guys that were in a situation similar to mine to have a way out. So that's all, that's all it was. It, it wasn't, about, like I said, it wasn't about money. I was never from, like I said, I grew, and no, no knock on people that get it, but I grew up poor. Mm-hmm. So a dollar don't mean the same thing to me as it does to you. Like, I'll figure it out, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, I know what the what not having feels like. So it's like, I don't need much. I, I, I could drive a $200,000 car. I still know how to use the 99 cent menu, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I know how to put something together. I know what I call it as a trap. I know how to make a trap if, if food gets scarce. So I'm saying, like, I know how to figure it out. Part of the survival instincts that we talked about earlier. So yeah. with that, I just wanted my guys that were trying to figure it out to have a, have a voice, have someone that, like, how can you pay me money that you have to go play to get? <laughs> so, like, if I help you get to the money, then we'll, we'll both make something. Right. And that was the investment, like, Let's just put in the work, bro, and then get paid on the back end. Like, which sometimes is a risk you take. And I right. get on the business side of things, that may not sound right. But for me, it was like, I'm investing you as a person. Like, Todd, I got you. Like, we're going to lock in two, three months, get you better, get you in, get you in shape, get your game where it needs to be. We're going to sit on Euro, Eurobasket.com and text and email every agent. I'm going to talk to every person I know, and Lord knows what may happen. If something happens, then we win at it. I've watched kids get... $200 jobs, and then end up making millions later in their career. Like, the the story of the Jonathan Gibson. I found Jonathan Gibson right out of college. Literally, right out of college. This kid was in a pro-am, or in a, a rec league playing with me in Bell Gardens, and he came in his entire college outfit. Is he from L.A.? He's from he's from West Covina. Wow. So West Covina. I had no idea how he found the rec league. 
but he's in there with us. Like this, like I said, this is the the old vets league. You know what I'm saying like he shouldn't be dare playing in this. This is the league where I don't even cross half court. I just shoot jumpers and walk, <laughs> walk up and down. But he comes in arm sleeve, headband, full New Mexico geared up. Has all his college gear on. Kid puts up 40 points in like three minutes. I'm like, man, who is this kid? They tell me who he is. He tell me the same situation, man. I fresh out of college. I need an agent. Trying to figure it out. Took the kid under my wing. Everybody watching this knows who Jonathan Gibson is. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like I said, that's how it started. I let him play on my Drew League team and then just train them, just 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 help them, just mentor and then didn't ask that boy for a dime. Ever. I watched that kid go from nothing to millions of dollars. The chance to play in the NBA. Like all right. because someone believed He played for Dallas. Dallas for a in, yeah. in Boston. Yeah. All because someone believed in him. Like, it was just a belief. That's all I gave him. I just gave him someone. Like I said, his family supports him. His wife supports him. But I was there as like, I got you. I'm your big brother in this. Like, I'm going to protect you in this. I'm going to walk you down these streets and let you see how it, how it works. And I'm not going to let anybody manipulate you. Like, how they did me. If you hurt, sit down. Like, I got you. And he's one of many. Charles Garcia, you know, Dominique Johnson. There's a, there's a, there's a ton. Patrick Rembert. There are tons of guys. Frank Session. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that will tell you the story of how... I've been just there for them in ways most people wasn't. And it was all because I gave, I, I breathed life into my players. Like, But I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to tell you trash if you trash. Like, I'm going to tell you the truth. But yes. at the same time, I'm also the same dude that's going to go in the gym 6 o'clock in the morning and help you fix it. Yeah. You know, so that's where the training aspect really means something to me. That's awesome, man. And I hear this idea floating in and out of this is that with the Drew League and how – you know, something that's been around your whole life mm -hmm. and um, you being a part of that and using that as a tool to help players and seeing the Drew League. You were there with Drew League's growth mm -hmm. when it mm -hmm. became, mm -hmm. you know, a more commercialized thing. Mm -hmm. um, what was your experience with the Drew League overall and your relationship at the Drew League? Um, how has it just impacted you? So with the Drew, like I said, it, 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 it's synonymous with me if you attach it. Um, everyone knows that I have been in the league going on almost 13, 14 years and been coaching in it, uh, helped create Junior Drew, uh, was kind of their global ambassador. I took the Drew overseas to the places that I, the countries that I was training in to build the relationships, um, just to help their brand. And um, like I said, it's, it's, it's one and the same. You know, my, my players needed that platform. I as a coach needed that platform. So we were able to just sit in those meetings and, 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 and talk how to expand something, this beautiful hidden jewel on the east side to the entire world, and they've done a remarkable job of, of bringing in sponsors and, 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 con and continue showing the visibility of the Drew. They've done an amazing job. Shout out to Chanel Smiley and Dino Smiley on the Smiley family for all they've done to help the Drew continue to blossom in, in our city and, and be you know that thing that everybody knows and comes to. Um, it gives us as coaches a platform. Like I've put MVPs, I've, I've, I've brought NBA guys, I've brought international teams one of my other teams were was from japan mm. that was in the drew which created a, a, a outreach for me because i trained in japan so um it was special you know and uh i hope the relationship continues as it has been for 10 plus years to where anything you know i can do to help them and and the same that which helps our community so um it's been a, it's been a good partnership craziest performance you've seen in the drew league craziest performance in the drew league uh I watched Darrell Wright score 27 points against us in a quarter. That was that was insane. Um, I was at Frank Session's 60-point game. That mm -hmm. was crazy. 
Um, I was in the gym both times when LeBron came. Yeah. Um, I was there when KD threw off the backboard against my team. The second <laughs> year, I didn't coach him that year, but the next year I got him there. But it was, I ended up coaching that team. Um, I was there when Lou Williams uh, came in and hit like 11 threes mm. and when Bobby, uh, Bobby Brown broke the three-point record. Um, and then I was there when I was there at Kobe's final Drew League appearance when we won the championship. So, <laughs> um, yeah, shout out to my boy Kobe. Rest in peace. Yeah, yeah. Um, talk about that, man. You know, you actually had a relationship with Kobe I did. and I did. was in the gym with him. Um, you know, just talk about how that came about and just your interactions with him. You know, everybody seems so impacted anytime they're, you know, they were in touch with him. So um, the relationship was organic. Uh, in those early stages when I told you I started training um, right when we skipped a step, but right when Air West was created. Yes. Um, Air West was sponsored by Nike. So my relationship with Nike facilitated my relationship to get to Kobe. Um, I would do all their training events as a trainer uh, with all their athletes. So James Harden at the time, Kobe, Paul George, Kyrie, LeBron. So there was a Kobe shoe event where Grover, Tim Grover, his trainer, was going to be there going through a Kobe workout. So this for like the media, the influencers and whatnot. So you're gonna have a day in Kobe's at Staples, we all get his shoe. So you're gonna go through the day in the life of Kobe. So I was Tim's assistant that day. Because of my relationship with Nike, he needed assistance. I was one of them. And my guy AJ Diggs, shout out to my boy AJ. Mm -hmm. So me and AJ. AJ, Yeah. whenever you're back, I need you on the show. Yeah. We can talk about it, go so, ahead, sorry. Well, we definitely <laughs> got stories about me and AJ. I got some more from him. So, so me and AJ were his assistants that day. And um, just doing what you normally do in that setting, like be coachable, be understanding, soak up the knowledge. And then when people tell you, oh man, if you ever need something, call me. You know what I mean? People don't, do, don't make that phone call. Right. And I was almost one of those people. But at that time, still trying to grow into this training business. Why not learn from arguably the greatest trainer of all time? Yeah. So swallow my pride. I actually called him. He picked up the phone. He remembered who I was, and we started talking. I started telling him my story about basketball and where I was at. And he was like, look, man, I'm always looking for extra help when I'm in the city. You know, he's an older guy. He's like, to, you know, rebound the ball, put some defense, play, you know, be bumped, yeah. like whatever it is, I'm always need help. So whenever I'm in the city and Cole needs to do something, like, I'll give you a call. And that's what it was. Two, three in the morning, four, five in the morning, doesn't matter. Hey, man, Cole wants to get in the workout in about an hour. Can you meet me at Staples? On the way. Right. I'm, I'm on the way, you know, then I was doing his camps already. So then now they're transitioning to see me now. So it's like now we're at camp in Santa Barbara. After camp's over, Cole want to get working. Hey, Key, can you stay after? Yes. <laughs> get these kids. I'm, I don't need sleep. I'm right here. Right. Yes, I'll be right there. So started working out then. And then Grove started getting with Dwayne Wade. So he was now moving, you know, more towards on the East Coast. And... Cole then and I started slowly building a friendship. Not a man of many words. Mm -hmm. So he's not going to tell you what he wants you to know. So slowly, high and buys, text here and there, just checking in, checking on him. And then he was in L.A., needed, a, needed, some, needed, a, needed someone to come in, rebound, bump him a little bit, called me. I was there. And once that workout was over, then we created the friendship. Like really one of the most interesting Man, I've ever met in my life. Like, like you said, everyone that has been affiliated with him is impacted. Like, unbelievable human being. Like, showed me so much. He's kind of the motivation to where I do some of the things. Some of the things we talked about. Um, I soon became the Mamba League, a Mamba League's trainer, and 
his trainer and everything he wanted to do for any of the other kids, boy and girl, like we would just bump ideas off each other, you know, and his vision for where he wanted basketball to go post his career was was like right along the lines of what I was thinking. So it was a perfect, perfect marriage in that terms of like I really truly loved his his grit, what he brought to the game of basketball. Like now to be affiliated with that, I have to keep this going. So he motivated me to stay in it and really find the loopholes in this business. Yeah, man, that's amazing. I think people, for us, right, being from, you're big on this, right? If you're from L.A., like actual L.A., but Kobe's impact in L.A. because he was here for his whole career, right, made it feel like he was an L.A. dude. And the philosophical beliefs, like mm-hmm. you're saying, mm-hmm. of you giving back and in his mind when it came to this, you know, came together to make that um is L- is Kobe an LA dude? <laughs> he's a Philly guy, but he's he's he represents LA. He represents yeah. what LA is about, the mama mentality, the the toughness. Mind you, when we talk about yeah. that, like he played towards Achilles, walked on the floor, shot his free throws, yes. played with a broken finger, like tore labor, like you know what I'm saying? Like he was you would have never known. Yeah. Like he's gonna get through it. So he embodies everything LA and I his his approach to everything was 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 second to none. Like I really admired like he didn't care what we talked about earlier what people thought mm. like i get we say it but it's so hard to do like he really didn't care like i'm gonna sacrifice my social life his personal life like he really dove right into what he wanted i want to be the greatest basketball player of all time and he did everything in his power to become it and i'm biased i i believe he is but like he did everything in his power to accomplish what he wanted man amazing man thank you for sharing that um, so we, uh, we skipped a step air West. So, um, we talked to, uh, Chris a little bit about oh, this, God. but, um, how did air West come about, man? And that's impact and the growth of it down, man. It's, it's amazing. Um, air West was, uh, 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 I guess a basketball, maybe Chris and I birthed. It was something that was already happening in LA. It just needed some fine tuning and it needed like just a, a, a touch of organization. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Chris and I, sat down with just the idea of like, man, how can we do something organized for players that come home from overseas, like NBA guys, where they could be in one one gym and get a real run, real workout with no no cameras, no people, like the raw, authentic stuff that we grew up doing. Mm-hmm. Like they could come, put their bag down, they ain't got to worry about nobody stealing their jewelry or say like, but come compete and not care how they look. Yeah, You know, how can we do this? Um, at the time, I didn't know Chris worked at the Expo Center, which that has to be the one of the best gyms in Los Angeles. I, for people that have never been, the Expo Center is one yeah. of the dopest gyms in LA. So overseas, it's right next to the Coliseum, and overseas, the backdrop of downtown, beautiful gym. I didn't even know it was there. I've been in LA my whole life. I knew the Olympic pool was there. I didn't know the <laughs> gym was there. But um, so Chris had access to it. Um, we sitting there, we're like, cool, we got a gym. He works here, we get access. Can we get the players? He and I know everybody. He's old. He's a little bit older than me, so he has older guys. I have the in-between guys. So it's like, well, we just, let's get 20 dudes to come in. Get a run, put some jerseys on them. Let's figure it out. Pitched the idea to Nike. They ran with it. Nike gave us the name. Air is owned by Nike. West being West Coast. Yeah. So that's how the name came about. And then the whole goal was once a week, you just had organized, private, open run. Like referees, uniforms, yeah. we put a DJ. Oh, so man. it changed the atmosphere those first few years was 
crazy. Shout no camera, no cameras. No cameras initially for media, but for us, like we wanted uh, to track right, right. it. You know what I'm saying? Wanted mm-hmm. to see it so we can give Nike some feedback. Um, shout out to Darrell Wright on that one, man. D Wright, Trevor, uh, Bobby Brown, Marcus Poo, like they really helped push it forward. Like it's our peers. These are guys. Like I said, all these guys are guys I grew up with. Yeah. So we're sending actually your friends, man. Come play with us. Come hoop. Like get some run in, and they tell their friends who tell their friends. And then we just started seeing faces pop in this gym. And all of a sudden, that first two years, Nike was like, oh, we really like it. It's good. And then it, it just took off. James showed up. DeMar shows hmm. up. Then we start putting the young NBA prospects against the old pro. We had Stanley Johnson and Daniel Hamilton go against James and DeMar. And then we had other people from out of state pull up. Kenneth Reed pulls up. And then all of a sudden, it's like, hold on. Like, this is starting to be something. So now it's, like, exclusive. And the whole idea behind it was not to step on the toes of the other open gyms. So we literally based it around what everyone else wasn't doing. There are no night runs. So they're all midday. We were not going to rival our boy Rico Hines. Right. Like, we want guys to go to Rico. We want you to go to Rico. We're just trying to give you something if you missed the Rico. Yes. So if Rico is 12 to 2, you flew in L.A. late on Wednesday night, 6.30 to 8.30, we got you. Come near West. You know what I'm saying? Like, that, that's what it was for. Like, right before you want to go out, I think you want to get a workout in, <laughs> come near West. Come through. You know what I'm saying? So once we saw the, the organization of it, people loved it. We had security. You know what I'm saying? It just, like, it was something they trusted. Yeah. And then when the city trusts you, the city follows you. So then it was, like, for that spring, summer, it was crazy. Overseas, NBA. And then, like, can we keep this going? And then once season ended, or once we got into basketball season, I don't like calling the weekend warriors, but... The next tier of athletes, the guys that were playing in the rec leagues, mm-hmm. couldn't wait for it. Social media happens. Now we create the Instagram. Now people are DMing us. Hey, I want to go. Like, it's like you've made it if you played in their West. Like, man, I just want to play. Can I come in? Like, mm-hmm. putting on, like, little uh, contests to win and get a vote to get selected. And then Nike threw us a bone with, like, giving us product to give back to the community. Oh, so that really changed it. Now Chris and I are like the shoe plug. Oh, you can imagine how many <laughs> friends we made and lost in right. that time. Right. Like now Christmas Kobe's is coming out, shoes is coming out. They're giving them to us. Now we got 10 pair and we got to randomly give them out. And we put them all, dropping the Christmas Kobe tonight at Air West. It's 70 people at the gym. And it's supposed to be invite only. Only Chris and I can invite you. Now you, I send you the invite. You tell somebody who tells somebody. It's sold out. It's, not, it's only supposed to be 30 people in the gym. It's 70 people in the gym. Everybody wants to play. Everybody wants to win the shoes. So I had to learn how to kind of put on two different suits. Like, I'm still Keon, your friend, I'm a homeboy, but then I'm also Keys, the bully, the tough dude. Like, hey, bro, like, you got to go. I'm sorry. I'm not (laughs) trying to be an a-hole, but y'all can't be here. Like, I didn't invite you. Kristen didn't invite you. Like, you have no chance of getting these shoes. But then, flip side, they'll bring us other stuff. Shirts, shorts, wristbands, headbands, gift cards. You know, so... Um, we was able to just take care of the city, like the city backed us. And then right as COVID hit, Chris had, had came up with a great idea to start going towards the youth. Yeah. He really wanted to start developing the kids. And I, I really appreciate the idea. And so much, I created a prep school. But <laughs> when Chris brought it, we started doing like middle school stuff, elementary stuff, high school stuff. Started yeah. like Air West strictly for them. Yeah. Because in the first seven, eight years, it was strictly pros. We'll sprinkle in high school kids. Like, just, you know, Devin Askews and right, Scott right, Clarks. Right. Like, 
the young guys that we know they can play there, but it wasn't meant for them. Then we did completely high school runs, and it's crazy. Chris, Chris is the historian, so he'll tell you how many of those kids went D1 or yeah, pro. He talked about it. He talked about it. There's a ton yeah, of them, no, but no. that's where the idea came from. And then once COVID, once we came out of COVID, um, it's strictly just been a youth focus, um, clinic style development. Yeah. And it's been all oh my God. It's, it's, it's the tr- the energy is crazy. Yeah, my kids from the valley. Yeah, yeah. We send them down. Takes them almost two hours to get there during the time they leave, but they love. They yes, absolutely yes. It is, love it, is, it, man. You know, shout out to our, our trainers that have been there: mm-hmm. San, JP, Rob, J Mac, Trey, Angie, Brandon. All those, all those that are involved. Kelly, like who's who's been there to really help push what the vision is now is to really help these kids develop. Everyone's begging us to make an AAU team. And for y'all that don't know, we have something coming up the pipeline that's going to be very dope. Um, that's Air West affiliate. So um, okay. it's, it's, it's moved in a direction that I'm, I'm completely. When will it be announced? How soon? Maybe within the next three months. It'll be, a, you, you'll, it's coming in 2024. Coming so, in 2024. Okay. Something special. No, I said, because this, this episode won't be posted for a minute. I was like, you can let us know no, and no. then we won't release it. So 2024, I mean, something special when Air West <laughs> is coming out. That's dope. So definitely by the time this drops, you guys should be ready for it. But we're dope. doing something. We got something coming up for Air West. And, you know, we, we're, we're, just, we're just expanding it. You know, we've done mobile clinics yeah. where we've had former pros, our, our, our elite athletes come. We've had Juju Watkins, Paul Gasol. We've had uh, BJ Boston. Uh, Frank session like we've had people come stop talk to the kids like it just it provides another element and um, And we're moving it around East LA Watts Compton LA um, So we we got we got some things in store man. It's, Air West is going to be something special. Will we ever see the pro runs come back? Yeah, eventually eventually, so the, eventually, okay. so that's still eventually part of the, Yes, okay, so in the summer For the last maybe month of summer so that July August. Yeah, we have a version of it But we do for college and high school, okay, and it's ran at the Tessaraki Budokan in downtown LA, where we do like a college high school round where we split the beautiful gym to another gym I knew nothing about. Where is this? I don't know. It's in downtown LA, Tessaraki Budokan. Oh, wow. It's a, it's a beautiful two, like, it's two courts, beautiful gym. So we do that in the summer, but then we're going to start bringing the pro run back. So okay. um, it's just a timing thing. Yeah. Like I said, you have Rico, you have the other runs. Like, we mm-hmm. don't want to, we're trying to find a day and time that it works. You're a man of the community, man, and that's why. I- I've always loved about you, man, from the first day. I don't, I don't even remember. I think I met you when you were training Sky, yes, maybe. Yeah, Sky, yeah. At, at the shot zone. Oh, my um, God. I still use that same uh, drill sequence. <laughs> Just so you know, I learned the drill sequence that day. I'm like, yo, this is this is it. Thank you for that. You. And, um yeah, ever since then, man, you just been yeah. Whatever you need, thought like it's been, it's been like that, and that's what this is about. Is just bringing us all together, man. Right. Like, we should all be working together because it's for the kids, for the community. At the end of the day, so for me, Todd, it's 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 always been bigger than me. My position as a player, my position as a coach, my as a as a pillar in my community is like we got to get out of this this mindset that it's about us. It's never been about us. So when I'm on the floor as a point guard, it's to get you. To assist to help you, which helps me. Like I don't understand why we're still stuck in this mentality of like you got to do it alone. It's like it, it costs me nothing to be here interviewing, talking to you. Like we 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 we've talked basketball many many years prior to this, so now we're just having a conversation on camera. Like we probably said more stuff off camera than they <laughs> right. but it's this helps you, and, and it's definitely going to help me. So it's mutually beneficial, but it costs me nothing yeah. to do that to support you. And that's what we got to get better at as people in our community. We got to support each other. Like somebody asked me to come to a game, I'll, I'll pull up to a game. 
but you got to reciprocate. Yeah. Come watch my school play. Right. You know what I'm saying? If you need somebody that needs training, no problem. I'll train a kid. But if I know a kid that lives out that way, how about you take care of that kid for me? Like you said, you'll see Aaron West. You see kids Aaron West. In a heart's moment, if anybody says, "Oh, I'm a trainer, I need help in the valley," I'm sending them to you. You know, it's just that we got to be able to bounce ideas and 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 stick together in this business because once the foundation is completely solid, if you watch Chris and I, like, it's it's exponential value yeah. on how it grows. Like, yeah. no one would have thought Air West would have survived ten plus years. Mm-hmm. We're the longest running Nike program. Chris and I, like two non-professional athletes, two guys from LA. <laughs> like you said earlier, we're on, we're on the side of trains. Right. We're in billboards. Air West is like, I'm, I, I, I turned 39 and became a Nike model. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> we're all in magazines and on websites. And, you know what I'm saying? Because the idea is to do right by people. Like, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I hear you. You want to get paid and you want to make the money, but we got to make the people first. Like, you build it the right way and then everyone benefits from it. Uh, this is Instagram clip that just so you know that was that's beautiful man like that is that's what this game is about man so appreciate all that let's uh, I just want to hop back into how the youth focus and it turns into a prep school where you have you have a thriving training business like you didn't mention we're not even we can all the people all the oh, pros you good. have trained that's right yeah and it's it's uh you know it people know when they come to LA Keon's gym is open, and that's where you get your work in. And so um, now, turning that into a prep school, where, why, and man. So the <laughs> prep school idea, because you were you were there as the transition started to happen. So it was because of kids like Sky, Devin Askew, Bradley as a Wero, Tyler Powell. Um, I was training a ton of young kids that were, I thought, were really really good high school kids. But since I'm so L.A., so, so L.A.-centric, like, I want us to win. I want us to be on the map. I think we deserve to be just promoted as the greatest state and city in the world. Um, so I'll do anything to help that. And at that point in time, L.A. is known for having two of everything. And usually one of the two is very good. Lakers Clippers, Dodgers Angels, you know what I'm saying, Kings Ducks. Like I said, like, we're going to have one that's, that's very, very good. We did not have a prep school in Los Angeles that rivaled prolific prep up north. Mm. We just don't. So at that time, I'm wondering, how can we put L.A. back on the national stage? I get it. High school has changed. The demographic has changed. Kids don't need, like the schools we mentioned earlier when I was talking about my, me being in high school, those schools don't even exist. Like, right. my Dominguez is not as good as they used to be. I think Westchester, the Fairfaxes, I think like our better schools are schools that probably weren't even around when I played. I don't think Sierra Kane was around when I played. Right. Maybe Rancho Christian. I don't remember them. You know what I'm saying? Like the Artesias, Inglewoods, like Crenshaw's a Division Five school. Like you know what I'm saying? Like nowhere in the world. These were big time powerhouse names. Modern Day is still around. Shout out to them. Well, not shout out to them. I hate Modern Day, but I. Yes, <laughs> yeah, the, 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 it's a Dominguez rivalry. It's a Dominguez yeah. rivalry, but no, for him to sustain that, like mm-hmm. certain schools, and that's good. I'm glad that the the, the change of the guard has happened, but it's like we're still not competitive on a national level where people respect us. When Dominguez traveled, when I played, you knew we were coming out there to do damage. Like, we were coming to the East Coast. We were coming to the, to the South to, like, beat you and let you know, like, Compton's not only in movies. Right. You know, and that's where the prep idea came from. I wanted to get, I wanted to be, like, prolific prep or IMG or Mount Vernon, Sunrise Christian, and 
we sat back and I just realized, how can I do this? How can I get the, that type of talent that would normally leave LA to go to prep school, because that's where the route is going, how can we keep that home? And that's where the idea came from. It's like, it's time to go load up all our LA talent and travel back east and just go beat them schools and smack them schools so people know LA is still, which I took a lot of flack for years ago saying it's the mecca of basketball, but being the powerhouse state that we are. Am I getting you flack for Oh, I said it many, many years ago. Right, it wasn't cool when I said it. It wasn't cool when I said it, but now everybody's okay to say it. I said it a few years ago that LA was a new mecca of basketball and a ton of death threats, but once again, I'm from <laughs> South Central LA. If I can survive LA, I can survive anywhere. But now people are starting to understand that. I wasn't saying that just out of, yeah. out of spite. Like, I really believe, you know, if you look at every roster in the NBA, I think it's the LA dude on there. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, like, should, at one point, I'm excuse my language, the Lake, the Clippers have, they are the LA Clippers. The whole team is LA, though. Yeah. So, that's the, that's the idea. I want to just so be dominant. You know, the Drew League's number one pro-am. We got Sierra Kane's number one high school. Like, I, I want I just want LA to be number one in everything. Lakers winning chips, Dodgers, Kings. Like, I just want L.A. to be just in your face all the time. So I wanted a prep school in the Southern Cal, you know, a portion of it to really be dominant. And shout out to Veritas, shout out to SCA, SoCal Academy, and Travis, uh, and the other schools that are trying. But, we you know, we got we to gotta do a lot. We got to do a lot better. We got we to gotta really get up there and see if we can crack that Geico National. Yeah, no, that, and, uh, you know, the biggest opportunity – for California is uh, is just the real estate, and where in Kansas where Sunrise is is literally sitting on ten acres on a low key farmland or a wheat farmland, and it's easy to have the houses that they own on right, the campus. Right, like right. this is how these other places are in California to get that real estate, to get that school facility, and all those things to be on that level. The resources, right? And we talked about it earlier, man. Pulling those resources together to create something really special for LA, I think, is the call. It is. It, it is. You know, and, it is. and you know, because everybody, we all have this big dream, but I think it's the same dream if we put it together and we work together. I think we can achieve something like that. And I, I think you're you're spot on. And I mean, we, let's let's go back to when that Instagram reel or clip that popped up with uh, J.R. Smith talking about he was in a conversation with James, Russ, Kawhi, or whoever, Paul. And was like, why don't we have our own gym in L.A.? And I think that's where my head keeps spinning. Like, we have arguably some of the greatest players of all time. And we they're making tons of money. And I'm not the person to count people's pockets. But it's like, player's edge is in IE, right? Yeah. Why is there not one in Los Angeles? We had it with the hacks on one. No, no, no. That was, right? so just, and then they <laughs> took it from us. Yes. That's what I'm saying, like. Yeah. That's when basketball in L.A. was at its all-time high because yeah. you had a safe haven. You could go to the hacks and had everything you want, weights, the lounge, you had the, the courts, you had the, the shooting guns. Like That's where Chris and I came up with Air West. Like, we're trying to get back to we need our own facility to where all this stuff can be housed in one location. The Drew League should be played at one location. Our prep school games, or the bigger games, yeah. should be played at one location. Air West should be ran at this same location. Everything needs to be just under one place where we everybody know if you go to LA, that's where you're going. You go to that gym. Open runs. Rico's runs should he shouldn't have to go to UCLA. Rico can run his gym and he can have his open runs at our gym. You know, whatever gym, whatever the name we call it, but that's that's where my head is. Yeah. Where we should all be able to go to that spot. And like I said, if you want to create a game or our core prep has to do something like you want to bring a, a camp, you want to do a camp of three thousand kids. 
You don't have to go Axel High School. You, ain't gotta, you, you can go to your gym. That's our gym. We run it. You, one of your NBA guys pop in town, want to get a workout in, they, they stay in there downtown or in L.A. Like, go to your gym. You should have access to that. Yeah. So that's where I'm at with the prep school, Air West, training, everything. is just it's community. It's like we all should come together so we can all have this. Because then at the end of the day, we all win. If we could get SCA, my school, Veritas, get these DNA, get these schools on a national level, then maybe more of our local kids will come play for us. Yeah. My school's called LA Premier, and I may have, on my high school team, maybe two LA kids. And I created it for LA talent. Wow. I literally didn't want kids transferring to Arizona Cup. No, not going to come. Shout out to my boy Pete Caffey. But it was like LA kids are leaving to go play elsewhere where they can stay at home. Yeah. Remember, you were there. You were with Scott. <laughs> Scott left here to go play prep school in Tennessee. Like, right. you can stay at home. Him and ZZ. Now ZZ's back, but yeah, like, Billy Preston's of the world, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, they're leaving to go play at schools. Like, we should have had that here for them. Yeah. They should have their own prep schools here where they can stay here with their families and not travel and be ready to play at the, the level that we're supposed to go play against IMG in Mount Bird, right. who will never, who haven't, I'll say, it won't say never, who haven't come west at all. Hmm. The only way we can play them, we got to spend all this money to fly across the country to play them, but they won't come play us. Hmm. Prolific won't play anybody that hasn't been around for over five years. I don't even think they've ever played in Southern California. Wow. So they said things like that is like, okay, well, we'll fix it. <laughs> we'll fix it. I'll get prolific to Southern California. We'll get IMG and Mount Vernon out here. Like, you just got to have a talent. And, you know, I grew up in that era where I'll, 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 I'll initiate the challenge. It's easier now on social media. Mind you, I know some of the coaches on both staffs or any of those staffs, but I'll reach out and be like, hey, East versus West. Ain't the first time I've, 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 you know, thread the needle with certain conversations. Like, let's see how good y'all really are. Now, I'm not ready at this juncture, but <laughs> that's the, the game plan is to, like, as we spoke earlier about having that league. Like, we should be able, as a California team, should be able to compete at that level. Yes, absolutely. With all the talent we have here. Absolutely. And so, uh, specific about Premier, um, done a great job. Thank right? you. Right? All your kids going on to play college 100%? Yes, 98. I've had kids that quit basketball to go on to the military or okay. go into the workforce, but all my players are have graduated. All my players that I graduate go on to college. Awesome. Awesome. And this year, how are you guys doing this year? We're good. So far, high school, national high school has done well. They had a great Tarkanian Classic. Um, they're 10 and 2 currently. Um, we went to Tark and went 3 and 1. Last year, we went 1 and 3. Um, but the turnaround was good. So. We're off to a good start. I have some kids that are really getting some Division One interest right now. So um, shout out to those kids for putting in that grind, man. They're they working. You know, currently we're on break for a few days, and then when I come back, I'm going to kill them. You know, it's going to be a ton of running. Um, but, you know, it's, it's for the, the betterment of them. You know, it's to help them get to college and help them understand the reality of what that next next step looks like. Awesome. So what, what's next for, for you? Uh, I know finishing this prep school season, Air West uh, continuing to go. Drew League kick back up. Um, you still have team in Drew League, still rolling? Yes, yes, yes. So, um, for me, uh, the next step is just whatever L.A. needs, finding whatever we can do to fix it and plug it. Um, shout out to my women's team, my women's Drew team, and my women's professional team, um, Redemption. They just won their third consecutive uh, T-Wear Pro-Ams League. Um, then they won the Drew League Invitational in the summer. So, um, my women's team is really good. Um, my men's don't like to hear about it, but they're, they're really, really good. So um, I've been blessed with talent. 
Um, so it's whatever, getting them ready for the summer, getting my men's ready for the summer, um, getting the prep school kids ready for spring. Um, like I said, Air West, just getting those, the, the, the young ones ready for the next step, which we're going to do something, which is dope. Um, and then for me personally, uh, just trying to continue to figure out the landscape of how I can help these kids, man. Just kids that look like us, that come from places we come from, to give them, you know, some more hope and, and belief that it's not over. You know, like it's easy to quit. Quitting is the easiest thing in the world. But fighting through it is a whole lot of fun. So I get it. I, I get that you may not see the light in that tunnel, but you just got to keep walking towards it. So I want these kids to realize, like, I'm, you have a, a person that's fighting for you. Like, you have a school here. If you're looking for a situation here, it's not working for you at your current high school. Uh, if you need somebody to train you, if you can't afford it, let's talk about it. You know, yeah. if you want to, you think you're not being seen enough, the visibility is low in your professional career, we have a Drew League potential shot for you. You know, like, um, for all the girls that think they need to make it overseas or WNBA, like, hey, I got a team for you. Like, whatever I can do to better assist those around me. Man, I mean, like, you literally have your hand in every space. Every, in every level. And yes, every level, every space, and um, create opportunities through those spaces. Almost the old school way, I mean, because you, you built it up. Like you said, you were on Eurobasket, hitting up every team, agent, the organic way, and hustling to where you are now, where, you know, people come to you, I'm sure, for these yes, things. Yes, yes. Open up the world of basketball for you, traveling to different countries, and just being known, you know, as one of the gatekeepers of L.A. basketball, you know. Um, and you did it against odds, right? Yes. Statistically speaking, right? Single-parent household in South Central L.A. Going to school in Compton. It's a movie. It's a movie. <laughs> it really, really is, man. Your documentary is going to be crazy, man. We got to give you your flowers, man. So Appreciate you. That's part of having you on here, man, is just to, you know, to the small audience that we have right now and hopefully it becomes a big audience to like really celebrate you and everything that you're doing, man. So I appreciate that. And um, keep going. Thank you. Thank you, Tom. Anything you. you need, man, you know, I'm on the Valley side, but I, you know. It's I, still, I mean, you're, I'll, you're I'll there. Get, I'll get around to LA for you're you, there. man, for anything. You're there. And, it's, it, and it's just your voice, and I, I applaud you, and you've always done right by, by the game, bro. Like, so when I first met you, um, just a young guy trying to figure it out, and you've never stepped on toes, which I give you credit for because most people come in and they try to bully their way through and it's not natural, it's not organic, because you'll then run into somebody like me who can fight back, yeah. you know, and then why end each other's career when we can help each other blossom? So for you, it's like you're not afraid to ask those questions, you're not afraid to reach out, which I applaud you as a man first, because that's our biggest flaw, we are afraid to ask for help. And I didn't learn that until it was later in my career, but it's like, you can't do this by yourself. And that's where it's, it's, it's been like, the epiphany for me is like, oh man, I couldn't wait. Like I would have never met Cole if I didn't ask Grove. You know what I'm saying? Like I would have never created the prep school if I didn't ask questions about. I talked to the coach that they was at Finley Prep. Like I had to ask these questions. You know, like I wouldn't be able to get sponsors to help my program if I didn't ask for money. You know what I'm saying? Like mm -hmm, right. to ask them, like, hey, is this something you would do? Like just so I can venture out and see what what levels are are, are, are what things I need to reach in order to make this work. So just being able to reach out and ask for help is something amongst our community, especially in the black community, we got to get a little bit better at. But asking for the right thing. Don't just see me right. driving a nice car and all of a sudden asking for money. Instead, ask me how you can help yourself yes. get to these things. You know, I used to always preface it by saying, it's a whole lot easier to be me than it is James Harden. <laughs> it's a whole lot easier to be me because I can do things that are a little more tangible. He's a special 
talent. He's rare. So don't focus on trying to be him. Be the guys that are around him. You know, and that's how you get to the things you want in life. Thank you for that, man. Man, basketball. Ooh, man, basketball could take you on a journey. 68 countries for me. 68 countries? 68 countries. No way. Basketball's taking me all over the world. Literally halfway around the world. I did not know that. Part. Yeah. 68 countries. You I'm, do go and do camps. And I like, camps and trains and travel with my players. Yeah. Man, I got to get my passports. I got, I'm on I got, my third. I, I got uh, one, two, I got three other countries. So far, so I'm just starting now. I, yeah. gotta, I was just in Greece. We were just in Greece this last time. Me, AJ Diggs, Phil oh, Handy. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we were just in Greece. And the year before, I took the Drew to Italy. So we're in Italy. So no, I, I travel. I try to, I want kids where we come from to see the world. Yeah. Like no one in my family would have traveled as much as me. Like I want to see the world. It started with you going to Compton. <laughs> see, <laughs> you just, just outside of LA, right? <laughs> I was going to go see outside of LA. But, but no, I just, um, being able to share those experiences, like watching guys giving themselves an opportunity that they didn't think that they had. Like, yeah. I mean, that's the greatest feeling. When guys call you and say, man, coach, I'm about to get on this plane and go play, and I don't give a 10 buck too. It doesn't matter. <laughs> the fact that you're there. You know, I remember having kids who some years ago that played in Africa. It was like, his mom called me crying. It was like, my son, I would have never thought my son would be in Africa. Just to go play basketball, but to be in Africa. Yeah. It's like, yeah. that's what I do it for. And you can, you can keep some of the checks that I get, but it's more like, Hearing a kid that had no shot at playing college basketball make a Division three team or yeah. NAIA, or then even the kids I see in D1. It's just like hearing these kids, or make a varsity team. I had a kid that's in my program who when I first met Todd, his kid could barely walk and do bubble gum. He plays high school varsity basketball, and it's like, every time I see him, I want to cry. Like <laughs> I remember when they said this kid wouldn't, like, couldn't, couldn't walk, had some medical issues. Like They said this kid would never do a lot of stuff. This kid is on a high school basketball, right? And he plays. Like and he, he's and he's some players. Like he's, I was like twelve points in high school. And it's like every time I see him, I, I just want to break. But I don't want to be. I want to be all teary eyed in front of him. But it's I like cry just one time. No, 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 in the car. I'll do it in the car. <laughs> but for him, it's like watching him because literally that's what it was. His mom came to me, told me what the issues were. Never charged her a dime. Just like, look, if you can get him to the gym, we'll work out, and I'll try my best to help him. And like he just kept doing it, like. Kept running into the wall. Just I don't know if this kid goes. But it's like, but he never gave up, so I wasn't gonna give up. Yeah. And then when that kid made play his first varsity game this year, I sat there and I almost like said I didn't want to cry. Cause like watching him put on that uniform, run out there and play is like, that's what this is for. We're gonna move on to our next segment, the My Rushmore. Your top four, and I got to do this. Your top four. LA Hoopers of your generation? So, tough. That's a great question, but you're a mean person <laughs> for having people answer that. That's, oh, that's so bad. So not just, no, no. This is what you have to answer. I have a just, question for everybody. Oh, okay. Oh, well, so, oh, but, you on see, yeah, make it worse for me. <laughs> but, um, my Mount Rushmore of Hoopers, LA. LA. It doesn't have any order. Just no, no, no order. Just the top four that I think would give you what LA represents. Tyson Chandler has to be on there. Um, I think one of the best bigs ever come out of our state, um, definitely out of our city. Um, I'm going to stay on my bias route. I'm going to put Baron Davis. Um, I just, I'm such a big fan of BD. It's like one of the true first, like, big guards that um, I got a chance to watch. And, and, and Diddy is, Boom Diddy is, like, really, really good. Like, I really got a chance to watch him play growing up. And then I'll go more current with guys like James Harden and Russell and uh, Russell Westbrook. Yeah. I got to put them up there not only as MVPs of the league, but 
from the schools they came from are schools that we know. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like Artesian, losing, you're like, James is like, James was good in high school, but y'all didn't really know James Harden. Like y'all didn't think he was going to be this James Harden. Right. So like to watch Jay go through all that and be the player he is and get the accolades he's got, he'll arguably die as one of the greatest players ever played. So, so excited and happy for him. And no different than Russ. I love Russ. Crazy part, I've only met him a few times knowing I know his entire circle. Chris, losing here, Darrell, DeLon, I know his, uh, Reggie, I know his entire circle, Roy, everyone that's super close to him, I've only met the dude twice, and I think he's the hardest working player I've ever seen in basketball. I love his relentlessness, I really do. Um, and I would tell him that in person, like I love the way he plays the game, his approach to it. Um, but they, they, they deserve to be up there. Like I just think that they are the, the past that led to the future. So those guys built these guys. For me, I'm gonna flip and just do my IE since that's where I grew up. It's tough. The IE, my top four, my generation. Um, we named him early, Sean Marshall. Easily. Sean Marshall. Um, haven't met him yet. Great guy. Man, I've seen him play live multiple times. I see him do his thing with Pro Vision. Great Darren, guy. Who's also actually it has to be on that list. Uh, Rushmore's mm-hmm. as a. Uh, um, what else can you say about Darren? Man, UCLA and then to the pros and great dude. Always doing his thing. Um, Marvin Lee, you spoke about Marvin. <laughs> I don't think Marvin would have known that. Now, yeah, Marv. Mar- well, no, see, our fanboy it was crazy. Me and Marv connected. We played with each other in some like adult leagues back in the day, and then more recently saw his daughter play at I think it was a, at a, a made hoops event, and um, just started chopping it up with him. Like, yo, do you remember me? And we started chopping up, and so his daughter came over to court, so she's in our program, and. Uh, Man, me and Mark hit it off. And so, and I, I had to, like, in the middle of the conversation, like, hey, man, I just want you to know, like, I grew up watching you, dog. You are that dude, man. Marv. You are that dude. Lucky lefty. And the next one is interesting. There's no interesting. Come on, man. Stop playing. All right, it's Kawhi. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> Kawhi. So, yeah, well, I'm going to tell you why, because there's other people I grew up actually watching, right? Kawhi was after me. Okay. So, he's a little younger than me. But it has to be Kawhi just because. Hey, what he's been able to do in the league and all-star status and man, like, like you said, there's a toughness that comes from the IE as well. It does. Oh yeah, man. Okay. I mean, you can't see it. And so <laughs> we got we have others. Anthony Goods, Jamal, hey, Williams, good, Dustin good. Williams. I mean, we could keep going. Uh, David Carter back in. The, okay, so there are some people who you know really set the tone for the IE, and not to talk about the ones who are there today as well. There's a toughness in the suburbs. <laughs> <laughs> because we, most of us moved from L.A. We're all L.A. transplants to the oh. I.E. So our parents had the mentality instilled it in us to be tough. You talk about, hey, I played with a, bro- a torn labor. I torn, I played with a broken hand as well. <laughs> Might be the toughest light-skinned dude I know. Hey, listen, I told you, I said, I'm a light-skinned dude with dark-skinned quality. That a boy. So that's, yeah. that's what we do. Uh, so next part, we're going to flip the script. Two questions for me. Anything in the world. Since I was mean, I'm assuming you're going to be kind of No, mean. I'm not going to be that. <laughs> I'm not going to be that. But no, one question that I do have is, how did you start court prep? Like, what was the idea behind it? Because it is, it's gotten so much traction since you first started it. Uh, Maxi Juzang. Johnny Juzang's dad. Oh, wow. So... I was connected with first, so the, the I want to say the idea was Impact Basketball, Joe Punasar. I used to rebound for him for years, and he wanted to start a prep school in L.A. This is back in 2013-14. Um, so I built a business plan. Me and him kind of built a business plan for it, and it had some of the same concepts that CORE has. And so the, the blueprint was there, and we decided not to move forward with the Impact. 
because of the real estate. They're like, yeah, it's just not worth it. And so he has his own program in Vegas or whatever. And then at the same time, I was training Johnny 360 Health Club up in uh, Reseda. Uh, R.I.P. You know, 360 is gone. It is. Oh, wow. Gone, yeah. Um, and so um, he was like, hey, I want Johnny to play basketball and do homeschool. And, you know, us trainers, we don't really work during the day or when pros aren't in town at least. Right. And um, I was like, I'll watch him. And we, I was like, I'll put this whole pro. I still have the deck, the, the real, the first deck. It was a, it's a core prep academy. It was on a, a dog tag. It was like more military looking. And um, man had eight kids sign up. And literally that's how I started. And it transitioned into this traditional style because I saw with the homeschool style with these middle school kids is different. They need, they need to be around females and socialize. They need to be around their friends. We were in a gym in the conference room. It wasn't it, especially with them boys. And um, so we transitioned to have it on campus. Okay. And the school agreed for us to be able to go and train basketball during the electives and PE periods. And they go to the traditional setting in school. And when a parent hears that, that, you know, a kid who sings has choir, right? A kid who hoops has choir or plays any sport at this point. And so and the, the sport started growing. So that's how it initially came was, Maxi Juzang, um, Melanie Frank, Taryn Franks. Wow. Helped me, like, on the legal side, like, make sure my paperwork was straight, my business structure was straight. Um, uh, Demetrius uh, Khalid, you know, DC was in it, RIP for him, to him. He uh, helped me, like, just build the basketball side and the structure. I just had some really good parents, man, who really believed in me at that time and uh, put it all together. Wow. And then the parents that... The big mouth parents who I love, they got, they got loud voices in the basketball community, and they're my favorite people, man. The Kenny Clarks of the world. Kenny. He got the world on fire for me, man. Literally told everybody about it. Still to this day sending kids. Like, literally on the phone with him last week, he's still sending kids to court because of the impact it had on his kids. And so, uh, you know, guys like that, man, and that's, that's how it started. That's dope. Because I always like to hear the ideology behind it like you know because you just woke up like oh this is what i'm gonna do like, well so it's interesting so that's how it started right two years before that guys i'm a spiritual dude i fasted for 21 days only vegetables or water and fruit 21 days straight and i would go into a quiet time with god and just read the word and write i wrote down warriors basketball warriors community service warriors performance training all these things and it's literally what core is today. But this is years before two things. So it's uh, based on the campus of Heritage Christian. Their mascot, the Warriors. Warriors. But this was happening before they became the Warriors. They're the old L.A. Baptists. They were the Knights before. Heritage Christian Warriors didn't exist when God was giving me this vision. And so it came from God. And I look back after I started core and I go back to this journal. Man, I'm telling you, like, exactly what it is so that's where it originally actually came from how it started is the the juzang so stop yeah and then my second question is when did no not when did but how does it feel working with like elite nba athletes on a personality thing when you get them in a gym granted you and i are both trainers and we didn't get to the level they play at so how was it? How did it work for you to like be able to connect to them? Um, man, you you said a lot actually. 
uh, during our time sitting down is like, man, I kind of don't care what people think. And so when I'm in the gym, and uh, shout out to Kelvin Truitt, man, um, my homeboy, my uh, former pastor, he moved up to Sacramento now. He used to tell me, man, he said, you treat people like they're famous and treat famous people like they're normal. And uh, I think that's carried me a long way to sit and be able to sit in rooms with guys um, who are play at that level. And um, it's amazing because as much as I'm guiding or teaching them, they're, they're teaching me way more. And so I'm a, um, you know, I'm a competitor. So they love me because most guys, when they go try to guard an NBA guy, they know they're going to get cooked. I don't believe for one second any of them dudes can score on me. <laughs> so I go at them. I compete with them. And I'm not afraid to give them the knowledge that I have for this game because they're in there to get better. And what you know about most high-level guys is they want to learn. That's why they mm -hmm. are at the level they're at. And so if you're afraid to show them or teach them, they ain't going to listen to you. They're not even going to pay attention to you. You're right. Just, you know. So it's interesting because um, when I've done that with pros, the reason they come back or the reason they refer me is because I tell them the truth. Yeah. Like, and, it's a, and I don't try to use my stature as something to like scare people, but it's like, I'm going to tell you what you want to feel regardless of what you think. Like, if you want to take it to that level, you can lose there too. But it's like, I've looked guys dead in the face, the leading scorer in the NBA, and be like, bro, you, you're weak as hell. Like, your right hand is trash. Like, you suck. Like, if I was healthy, you wouldn't score on me at all. Like, so I'm, like, being in there bumping, hitting, like, yep. like, the, like you said, that competitive nature. And then to let them know, like, all right, that's a good shot. You know what I'm saying? Like, fixing it, because I remember, like I said, with Flip being my first pro, it was like, he been in the league. He's still figuring it out. Like, damn, like, what can I really tell him? And then I noticed, he, even though he does it quickly, he's a two-foot shooter. Like, he, he jump stops everything. Oh, wow. So I'm like, Flip, you got to one-two some of those. I was like, even though I get it, it's quick, you've been doing it. I was like, but if you want to really get that shot off, get it. So you got to one, two, some of those. And then he was like, no one ever corrected that. I was like, they not because you shoot it so well, but it's not the way you should do it. Yeah. And then when he was making certain moves, our guys make some, especially with Kobe, it's angles. Yes. And it was like, so he mastered every angle. So sitting there defending him and like trying to see if he'll catch it, like it's a mind game. Like putting your hand on his hip, turning him, see which angle he's going to swing through your arm. And that's where he flies. Like, he gets what I'm trying to do, you know. So, with the Kyries of the world, the KDs is like they're looking for any advantage, and they're looking for guys that will help them see the advantage. So, with the, what you're saying is true to true to notion because it's like those dudes just want to get better. They don't. I don't say they don't care who it is, but as long as you can help bring value to them, then they'll keep you. Hundred percent. That reminds me of Andrew Wiggins. So we're in the gym for years, and I was always guarding him. Now. He is skinny, but he's probably one of the strongest players in the NBA. I don't know what's, what he eats or whatever, but that man's strong. And I I, had, I think I had to go, I don't know, I, I had to go for two weeks. And he's like, yo, where you been? I'm like, not knowing that he really cared for me being there, right? Like Chris is leading the training. I'm there to guard and, and help out. And he's like, nah, bro, like you keep me accountable. Like he needed that. And it was, it was. This is when he is right before he goes to the Warriors, right? Where he had a whole change of mindset and stuff. And it was in that moment, like, oh, there's value being added because mm -hmm. of how hard I can beat and how accountable. I'm one of them dudes like, hey, no, nah, we got to do that again. You weren't low enough. Like, let's rock. And those moments, like, just gave me the confidence to say, man, I know what I'm talking about. Yeah, basketball yeah. is basketball, no matter who has it in their hand. And uh, 
they like you said they want that accountability they're like yo like where you at <laughs> and so no man uh thank you this has been amazing man um yeah 24 second shot clock that's your camera right there let the people know where they can find you any message you have anything you want to promote man um keon kindred head coach at la premiere um just want to say shout out to air west to my people over there that's been backing us. Um, shout out to Ty, man. It's real beautiful what he got going over here, man. You can find me on Instagram at K-E-Y-Z-0501. Everything else that you need to follow is under the bio. I don't want to be that guy. Click the link in the bio, but click the link in the bio. I'm there for it. Um, other than that, man, stay blessed. Stay happy holidays. Um, each one, teach one. It's all love. Appreciate it, my brother. All right, y'all. Thank you. We'll see you guys next time. Peace.